1: welcome auburn into the monday edition of sports call live on tiger 95.9 the tiger.fm and the tiger communications app my name is ryan lloyd the host of this show today i've got tom peavey and brant Dontry with me as we have a lot to go through on this monday getting closer and closer to college football season 12 days till week zero 19 days till the first auburn game of the year so we are getting excited for football We will continue our previews throughout of all the SEC programs today with South Carolina coming up towards the end of the show. But in the meantime, a lot to talk about. First scrimmage of the fall for the Auburn Tigers was on Saturday, as we have a lot in news and notes from that, both offense and defensive thoughts uh, for the Tigers after their first scrimmage of the fall to get to, so that will be throughout the program today. As as always, we have a Sports Call 5 at 5. That will touch on what was released Friday, which is the entirety of the non-conference schedule for the Auburn basketball team, so that will be the Sports Call 5 at 5 today. Also, we've got other topics, such as the AP Top 25 being released for college football, another Auburn commitment over the weekend for football, a missed commitment in basketball, and a whole lot more so a lot to get to in the show today of course your phone calls on the auburn bank phone line birthdays and sports nightly tv guide and because it's a monday we will of course have the best and worst of the weekend so a very full show for you here on this monday afternoon ryan brant and tom with you here on this monday we'll start
2: with you tom hope hey. you had a great weekend good to see you sir i i it's good to see you glad to be back here on the show and uh yeah it was a good weekend uh if nobody has noticed, it's very, very, very with all capital yeah. letters hot outside right now, and uh, it feels like there's no end in sight. Yeah, but uh, yeah, what he didn't he did X's around like one ten, yeah, one eighteen, just in North Dakota. Yeah, it's brutal, but uh, yeah, good weekend. Uh, it's a good weekend overall. Braves, uh, really good series win over the Mets. I hate that they dropped the one last night on a uh, Sunday night baseball. They had that one bad inning where all of a sudden their pitchers just could not find the strike zone. I mean, it was ugly uh, in that little part, but uh, they still, you know, got right back in it. Olson still hitting home runs. Hit what forty second? Uh, I think it was his forty second home run last it, night. Yeah,
1: maybe forty three. I don't know.
2: It's going so fast. Yeah, it's I, I want to say it was forty two yeah. last night, but uh, yeah, that uh, my heart got ripped out with the whole whole Badunga thing, and uh, I think that's just mainly because I was reading the tea leaves from all the prognosticators that were switching their crystal balls to Auburn. And it just felt super exciting that that was about to happen. And I think all the Auburn fans were really excited. And then all of a sudden, nope, (laughs) not happening. So, well, crap. So, uh, yeah, got that going on. Scrimmage stuff going on. Um, still a lot of talk with the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, after the scrimmage, I I think, I don't know that. I don't know that if, uh, I, I think, I think Hugh Freeze kind of scared a lot of folks with his comments about the quarterbacks because I think most people kind of started feeling comfortable with where it was going, then all of a sudden his comments were like, oh, no, what's happening? So you got that. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, A breaking story today uh, that sort of involves Hugh Freeze, I guess, a little bit in a roundabout sort of way, but uh, the whole Michael Orr thing from uh, the blind side coming out and saying that that uh, he was not actually adopted by the by that family. the You know, the whole f- movie from the blind side, he's uh, saying that he was not adopted and that they were just using it for money and stuff. But, I mean, Hugh Freeze was the coach of that high school team at that time or was a coach on that high school team. So, in a roundabout way, Hugh Freeze kind of in th- with that. So, that was like a breaking thing today. Everybody who loved that movie is now freaking out and just are sort of like, oh, no, that's my favorite movie, and it was all fake. And it's like, well. It was a movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, and that would be very unfortunate, very sad, yeah. uh, if that's true. Also, there was a baseball potential scandal going on with Wander Franco. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, yeah, there's not not a lot of good things now. We're in the investigative <laughs> stages yeah. of these, so hopefully they'll end up better than they appear. But uh, they do not appear good. Uh, no. Also, it was 43 home runs now for Matt. Oh, 43. So, okay. So, yeah, just well. uh, lengthening a lead now on Shohei Otani. But, yeah. uh yeah, uh, a lot in the sports world. Brant Dauntry also with us. Brant about to start grad school this week, so we're not going to get to talk to him on the show quite as much here in the fall. Brant, excited for you to start that. I know that there's going to be a lot on your work plate, but uh, hope you had a great last weekend before <laughs> that started up, and good to see you again today.
3: Yeah, man, I, I had fun this weekend. I took the time. Uh, I just kind of had it to myself and had a, a chill weekend. Before, like you said, things get a little bit crazy. But, yeah, classes start tomorrow and I'm uh, I'm anxious but also excited uh, ready to move into uh, a a new chapter I don't know how different it's going to make my work life other than I'm just not going to be going to be here nearly as much I'll still be on on Mondays but it looks like that Thursday slot is going to be taken up uh, sometime in Titchener Hall so uh, probably not going to be heard as much I'll still be doing Smith Station stuff though and I'm super excited to continue all that but yeah, really good weekend for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they played what eleven games in ten days, and all of them on the road. So going six and five in that stretch, no, it's not what you want from the Braves, but it's you know it's acceptable given the circumstances. Also, I saw today that if the Braves went five hundred the rest of the way, the Phillies I think would have to go thirty four and nine to catch them for the NL East. So uh, the lead is still pretty solid. The quarterback stuff is interesting. I think we might be overreacting just a little bit. Because let's remember, Peyton Thorne was not here for spring ball. This is his second week uh, really practicing this offense. You can study it all you want, but until you're out there running it, it's going to be a little bit different. So right now, Peyton Thorne might not be the clear-cut starter. I would would wait another week or so before we declare him kind of dead in this race. But again, uh, first scrimmage is always important. You're not just looking at quarterbacks. Other guys stepped up. Obviously, the wide receivers didn't have – uh, the worst game ever i mean what two touchdown passes in that game obviously the wide receivers have to step up the offensive line apparently looked better than it has in years which was expected but it's still nice to hear and, and you know, you've got a lot of you've got a lot more storylines coming up for the next three weeks than just uh who's going to be the starting quarterback so we'll talk about all of that for sure
1: yeah absolutely a lot to get into with uh fall practice we'll get into some of it right now some a little bit later some a little bit after that hopefully we get to all of it today if we don't we'll uh, get to do to it tomorrow we'll even recap some stuff to tomorrow but we did our sports call five at five on Thursday about what to watch for in this scrimmage and so we want to highlight some of those things because it was the first scrimmage uh, we as I just said 19 days away uh, so we're almost at that halfway point between the start of fall practice and the first game so we're kind of getting close uh, to the middle of the de- developmental process in the, in, the, in the fall here. And so let's start with those quarterback comments again. As Brian alluded to, there are many things to get into. There were a lot of things Hugh Freeze talked about from pass rushers to linebacking play uh, to wide receivers to running back room, how it's looking, a lot of stuff. Let's start with what he did say about the quarterback, because so, I know that's going to be on everyone's mind. Uh, And here's the quote that's making the rounds. Quote, yesterday I had my mind made up. Now I need to watch the film and see. And that is in reference to the quarterbacks. Uh, We know from other comments that Holden Gurner and Robbie Ashford both threw a touchdown at some point in the scrimmage. Uh, So that means that to our knowledge, Peyton Thorne did not. However, none of those guys threw interceptions. There's no interceptions from the quarterbacks on saturday and so when you hear that i guess the first question is do you think of it as a positive a negative as a neutral just when you hear that he apparently felt in his mind he was about to make a decision which to be fair i feel like would have been kind of earlier than we expected we expected there to be a cut down to two, and then a decision sometime after that that kind of makes it seem like there was a starting decision on the horizon Uh, and then now backing off of that saying more film needs to be watched and evaluated, do you take that as a positive, negative, or something that's in between?
3: I think there are two outlooks here, and I don't think either of them really involve Robbie Ashford. Um, And here's why. I think that if it's a positive, then it means that Holden Gurner is closer to the other two than Hugh Freeze thought he was going to be or Robbie, we can't involve Robbie Ashford in this. Robbie Ashford has improved more as a passer than anybody thought he was going to, which would obviously, if he's as good a passer as the other two, he's the obvious candidate to start with with his athleticism and all that. The way it could be a negative is if Peyton Thorne has come in and just not looked very good. He's come in and kind of just made a fool of himself a little bit, and the other two, while they're still maybe not SEC caliber starting quarterbacks, they are still keeping up with this guy. This guy has not separated himself when it was kind of assumed that he would come in and start. So I think it's one of those two things, obviously hoping for the better outcome, but the, the worst one is possible.
2: I, I it, Yeah, the worst is very possible, but I I lean more towards Holden Garner uh, doing well, and it goes back to what I heard from, from a friend of mine that is very close there uh, in with the program, is that it was looking like, in his eyes and from what he was hearing is that Peyton Thorne would be the starter. Holden Gurner was actually going to take its second string. So I'm wondering if Holden's really stepping up. I, I find it hard to believe that Peyton Thorne has just completely slipped back that far because of everything the coaches have been saying about him leading up to him being there, uh, uh, up to that scrimmage, I guess I should say. the The fact that, you know, he's the – the The first one in the building, last one in the building. He watches film endlessly. He's always wanting to learn, and you hear about how much hey, he he can quote spin it. You know, he, he can spin the he can really spin it. Um, everything that you've heard about him is just positive. I mean, just heaping praise on him. I find it hard. I find it personally hard to believe that he all of a sudden just could not play the position, and they're like, "Oh no, what's happening here?" So. I'm actually leaning more towards it being Holden really stepping up, and maybe Holden's even pushing for that starting job a little bit. I, I, Robbie Ashford was going to have to improve so drastically in his ability to throw that I just don't see that. I, I just don't. I could be wrong, but I just don't see that from Robbie Ashford. So uh, I I want to lean more towards that positive. Uh, there's also the chance that that Hugh Freeze may be, uh kind of maybe ruffling some feathers in there. I don't know if ruffling feather, feathers is the right way to say, but you know, trying to light a fire maybe under some rear ends of uh, if things weren't quite going the way he wanted it to, maybe make a statement and kind of try to light a fire under somebody. You know, I don't know, but. I, I just I really want to look on the positive of that and think that maybe Holden is stepping up. Let's also remember Holden Gurner was a four star quarterback coming out of high school. I mean, he was, he was a pretty heavily recruited guy, and that was like one of the bigger wins that Brian Harson had uh, in, in recruiting was to be able to get Holden Gurner in here. So, you know, that's the other thing that makes me wonder because like I said, four star quarterback, pretty highly rated guy when he did, when he picked Auburn that makes me think that he is actually stepping up and maybe challenging Peyton Thorne a little bit for that spot. So we'll see. I'm going, I'm going more positive. I'm going, got to go with the positive than the negative. Sure.
1: Uh, You know, look, I think from my perspective, look, if Peyton Thorne did not win this job, it would be a disappointment. Now, obviously that disappointment would fade if the starter ended up playing well and led Auburn to a quality season. But You bring in Thorne, a multi-year starter of a, a quality program at Michigan State, who was a large part why we now make the Mel Tucker jokes because he was the starting quarterback on their successful team two years ago. And we were asked a little bit earlier this summer, I think it was Jeff from Columbus that asked us this, what's the difference in Thorne versus some other failed transfer quarterbacks recently at Auburn such as Zach Calzada and TJ Finley? And the answer to that was that those guys, Findlay and Calzada, never really won their job, never stuck, had many struggles when they started, and their teams were not successful with them. Whereas with Peyton Thorne, he won that job. He nailed down that job for two years. He was good there. And one of the two years, Michigan State was really good there. Yeah. And so there were pretty clear differences. So if you were to take this from the negative standpoint and say, well, Thorne is coming back to the pack rather than those two guys coming up to him, that would be very disappointed. I would be disappointed in that. Yeah. It, is, it should be, as it has been characterized, but it should be Thorne's to lose and one of those guys have to do something really significant to catch them more so than, you know what, Thorne didn't throw a touchdown in, in, on Saturday and the others did. And now I'm not so sure that he has a gap over those guys. I don't want it to be that kind of framework. And I'm not saying that it necessarily is because it could be that he played fine. It's just the other guys were on top of it. And, again, as, Tom, you've said that there are positive murmurings about Holden Gurner. But, again, just at face value, I would be very disappointed if Peyton Thorne ended up losing this job initially because he seemed like he had such a big gap. And then it would be up to Gurner, Ashford, whoever wanted it, to prove, which, unfortunately, they really can't do for quite some time. Even the Cal game, to a degree, is not going to tell us everything we need to know. Even if the guy goes out, whoever it is, throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, we'll be like, hey, let's do it in College Station at the end of the month or the first of the month in Jordan-Hare against Georgia before we, we you know get the parade going. So I, I want to say that, again, I would think that Thorne would lead – I think that this is me, or excuse me, I think this is Hugh Freeze saying to to us, the interested observer, that uh, these other guys are playing well, and that it is not so cut and dry just because those guys are playing well. I think that would be the hope. Again, we're not sure. And, again, I don't even think that the goal was to name a starter like this week after scrimmage one. I think the goal was just to narrow down the two. And maybe that's also more so what Hugh Freeze is talking about, that I can't even narrow it down to two because there is a, a hot battle here. Because, again, we, and maybe this is just a, a poor assumption by on me, but I would have assumed that Gurdner would have been a pretty distant third uh, coming into this pro- uh, this process, and that Astrid would have been the guy to have a real chance. And so with Gerner improving, maybe it's just the fact that I can't even cut it down to three because now it's tough between second, and it's close enough between first and those tie for two that I can't really cut anything down at this point. So look, this could be vast overthinking. I, I mean, this could be later this week. I don't know, but... I will say that from the fall, it was an eyebrow raiser for the first scrimmage of the fall to, to see that. And uh, we're going to have other thoughts here after we take this break. We will go to the Auburn Mate phone line and, and have birthdays in a little bit. But we will have other uh, thoughts on the rest of this offense because there were comments made about all the groups, from wide receivers to running backs, the running back room, which continues to impress, to an offensive line, which got good marks early in the scrimmage. Uh, and then also got to speak a little bit about the defense some problems on the defense according to Hugh Freeze some other highlights though too so we've got a lot to discuss from that first scrimmage stay with us more sports call after this
0: Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom PV with you here on this Monday afternoon. A sunny and hot afternoon as, uh, again, those heat index values over 110. Yeah. That was rough. Well, Very humid. And uh, glad we are inside in the air-conditioned Tiger Communications studios today. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one, 887 3401 locally or toll free one 1-888-9-TIGER9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We go to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today.
0: Matt from Tallahassee.
1: Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing this afternoon?
4: Hi, hi guys. How hi are you guys
1: doing? Doing all right.
4: Not. I'm not. I know Ryan I, I, I know you heard the news but Tom and Brent I know you guys heard the news but my mom and dad got hit by dogs and it got to this week today <laughs> <laughs> I got My dog.
2: oh man that's rough yeah, that's, I'm, I'm, really, sorry, I'm sorry man. to hear that bud
4: yeah at least not 445 today they take him to the vet on Moore on Hill Road, and he's 16 years old. Yeah. So I might come to the today.
2: I I understand, but man, we're we're sorry to hear that, dude. That's that's terrible.
4: Yeah, we don't know if we're gonna get our daughter, but I hope we can though. But no. I, I do want to talk about. I do want I want to talk about. Did you guys ever hear about the biscuits game? I remember mean, I told you guys I was going to go to the biscuits game Saturday.
2: No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think oh, we heard I, I don't remember. I know they had a big walk-off home run.
4: Yeah, me and my mom, me and my dad, my brother went to both games, and they won the first. They won the first double hitter, and then they won the second one, and then uh, and so the so, so, and yeah. And uh, that was the, that was a the good game. They had fireworks and and so so. But uh, I want to talk about football too. And then for bat, basketball, I might do some trivia. But uh, for basketball, what do you guys think about for I mean for football, what do you guys think about the commitment that Auburn got from T J? Uh,
1: yeah, T J Lindsay. Yeah, uh, solid pickup again for Auburn. Another uh, four star guy. Uh, they have continued to rack up a bunch of four-star type of talent uh, over the last several weeks, even even higher than that at times, and so it just maintains the quality of their class. They're still 14th in the rankings, still top five or six in terms of average recruit ranking. So uh, that's a, another solid pickup.
4: So uh, uh, Tom and Brent, what do you guys think about the uh, TJ Lindsey and how you think that will help Auburn's defense?
3: Yeah, I don't know if that kid's going to contribute this year. In fact, I I know he's not. But uh, he's you know a highly ranked player, a really good defensive lineman. That was something that Auburn needed to improve on. They don't have a whole lot of uh, commitments on the line right now, so that's kind of the position group that I think they're going to focus on. And T.J. Lindsey's the first part of that.
4: Um, and um and Tom, I I want to get your comment on it, and then. I got a question for you guys. Uh, what do you guys think about Auburn playing against uh, UNC at the Rocket City in Huntsville? And then I heard that Auburn was trying to get a player. I think he's a four-star for uh, that uh, he's looking at Auburn. He has visited some other colleges, but... Uh,
0: what do you
1: guys think about? What do you guys think about that? Yeah, on the uh, Auburn UNC Asheville game uh, in Huntsville, I think it's exciting for Auburn to play on neutral floors that are still around this state or near it. Uh, give some fans of Auburn another chance, another location to go see a basketball game. This basketball team has certainly grown in popularity and been able to put together a lot of solid seasons. And so, uh, again, it's good to take that show and and uh, get some of all, other. Other Auburn's uh, part of their fan base around to be able to see that, and then uh, I, are you talking about a basketball recruit or a uh, f- another football recruit?
4: A basketball
1: recruit. Well, they missed out on the uh, the five star center this weekend, uh, Flory Budunga. I think there's some a couple other guys that they're going to be working on here in the coming weeks, but I know that was the big one that people were were wondering if he'd end up committing to Auburn. And, uh, and uh, so
4: yeah, and um. Another thing is, before I do some trivia, uh, has James mentioned any more questions for me?
1: James actually didn't uh, call in the last few days of last week. I think he went on a uh, vacation to Florida, so he's not called in the last few days.
4: Okay. Um, is, are you guys going to try to work on some time? Like, so like if I call or James calls that we can talk to each other on the phone, have you guys ever tried that working with that before?
1: Yeah, we've still not, we still at this time don't have the the capability to to pair two callers on at the at the same time. If we ever get that feature, we will let you know. But as of right now, we still can't have two different callers talking at the same time.
4: Yeah, if we if you guys ever get that, like I said, if like a uh, James calls or something like that, like a uh, I can answer the questions the best uh, he wants to ask me and stuff. I'm just like I just can't look at any, any YouTube. Now, I could like probably watch the church service on YouTube, but I can't look at Michael Phillips or intivo um and so so game, uh, I'm sorry about that man um and so so but uh, how do you think probably um like what do you guys think about the ranking that came out like they said gor is number one. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Do you think, do you think Auburn will probably still get in the rankings in football? And if they do, what number do you think they'll probably be?
1: Yeah, the AP Top 25 came out this morning, and it did have uh, Georgia number one, and it had uh, several SEC schools there in the in the top 25 as usual. Auburn ended up uh, having votes to be ranked. I think it was either 36th or 37th if you if you total up everything where they'd be ranked in the complete country if you add in the vote speed be ranked category. So uh, they only were voted in the top 25 by two people. Obviously, if Auburn wins a bunch of games, they will get up there. They've got such a weak start to their schedule. They should start 3-0. I don't know if that'll put them in the top 25, but it'll certainly move them closer at minimum. So uh, if they certainly, if they can start 4-0, if they can beat Texas A&M in uh, week four there, they'll absolutely get into the top 25.
4: Well, I... Uh how are you guys? How's you guys uh game going? Are you guys almost done or are you guys still playing?
1: Yeah, we uh we have our playoff game tomorrow night. We did actually win a game last Tuesday. It was our our first win there. Uh we were very excited about it, 112 to 11. We ha- had a pretty big lead going in the last inning. Nearly blew it, but we held on and so uh yeah, we got a win last weekend, then we have play- our last week, then we got the playoffs tomorrow.
4: Hey Tom and Brent, did you guys any hits?
2: Uh, see, I went 3-for-3 three three in the, the game that we won. I went 3-for-3, three three, and then the last game I think I only batted one time maybe, and I hit into a double play. Did you
4: play what position did you play, Tom?
2: First base.
4: Uh, Brent, did you get any hits?
3: I didn't get any hits in the first in either game, but I walked, I think, in my five at-bats. I think I walked three times, so that's not a bad day. It's not 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 my best day, but not a bad one
4: yeah hey, i was gonna tell you we uh i' was gonna tell you guys you guys are gonna be uh you guys gonna be uh happy with this we got our uniforms and uh can you guys guess the name of our 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 team the team on
1: can we guess the name of the the team that you're on i don't uh, i don't think so i don't i don't i'm not sure
4: we're we're called the Auburn the Auburn Pilots.
1: Auburn Pilots, okay. Ready for takeoff?
4: Yep. And we got a game. Uh, we got practice this Thursday. It's a lot of practice, and then we got a game. Columbus scores on September second. The same day Auburn plays. Right game's at one o'clock, and uh, so um, it'll be twelve o'clock here, but. Uh, so but yeah, it, it's like uh, maybe once the, the weather will cool down a little bit by September.
1: Yeah, and, I'm thinking it will. It can't get my, it can't get much hotter than it is right now.
4: Yeah, I wasn't cutting grass today. My mom said like, it was too hot, but Thursday is supposed to be like a five percent chance of rain, and uh, on Beehive Road, and so. but it's supposed to be 89, so that's not like too hot. And but our Facebook because it's have a lot of water breaks and so So let's see, what trivia do I wanna do? Uh well hey, I got a question before I do trivia. You guys are talking about Thorne and with uh Gagala and the other quarterback for uh, uh for Auburn and stuff like that. Can you guys compare Thorne to probably Ken Newton and Nick Marshall?
1: No, nothing alike. Uh, they are they are completely different types of quarterbacks. Uh, Thorn is is a pocket guy. Uh, he does not have the athleticism that Marshall or Newton had. He does not have the size that Newton had. Uh, not as quick as Marshall. Uh, they are they are very different. Okay,
4: and who picked up? Uh, who did Tank Bigsby go to the NFL?
2: Uh, Tank Bigsby went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, they had a good debut in their uh, preseason game
4: okay yeah okay trivia i want to do let's see
1: you gotta do trivia then we gotta gotta get on to our next caller
4: okay i'll pro- i'm i'm feeling pretty good so i'll probably do this chair. uh can i do let's see i'll do football uh trivia uh like auburn trivia uh, something like an like auburn basketball or football or baseball
1: uh, yeah we can do we can do Auburn uh Auburn football trivia here uh okay. r- real quickly. When is the last time that Auburn won the Iron Bowl? Last
4: time Auburn won the Iron Bowl. I'm kinda of teeing a little bit. Uh I have
1: a say in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen is correct. That was a incredibly high scoring, high octane game and, and okay. Auburn was able to get it.
4: Auburn forty eight. Mama forty five.
1: Yes it was. That was a great game. Good job, Matt. We give you uh let's give you one more here. Brent you have one? I do. Yeah.
3: Uh in what year did Auburn win its first national championship?
4: Two thousand and
3: ten. That was its second. We're looking for its first. But that you you did get the second one right. Has to be
4: nineteen. 19- Something.
3: It was 1950 something.
4: 1957.
3: Yep, that's it.
1: Very good job, Matt. Very good job.
4: Okay, look, I say I wouldn't do this here, but hey, it'll kind of cheer me up a little
1: bit. So, let's do it.
4: Are you guys ready?
1: We're ready. We're ready. Five, four, three, two, one. War, War eagle. Hey. hey.
0: Beat man,
4: Bama. To one. Booyah. Booyah! Hey if you guys see JJ uh try to get him on on the on the uh on the radio and if you guys can try to get Bruce Pearl or to my man Devon Reed on radio and stuff like that I like to talk to them and ask them the questions and stuff like that so but um you got hey, Tom, I'm glad you're behaving. If uh, you guys just pray for me, my mom, and dad, uh, Jill is part of the family to us and stuff like that. So if uh, you guys can keep us on our prayers. And if James calls and has any questions, he can email. You guys got my email address. He can email me.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
4: Uh, you know, uh, so, so. Hey, Brent. What's up, man? He tells me your girlfriend on the radio sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's still Tom's girlfriend. Uh, <laughs>
4: still Tom's Tom, girlfriend, yep. Tom, Tom, you reference? so I can ask her questions sometime.
2: Okay, I'll, t- I'll I'll see what we can do about that. All
4: right. I tell, Brooke, I tell Brooke, I said, hey, you guys keep us on keep our prayer,
2: please. We, we will certainly
1: do that, Matt. We appreciate Warrior. your phone call. War Eagle. That is uh, Matt from Towsie. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our next time out back with more sports call right after this. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brandt Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334 887 341 locally, or toll free one 889 1-8-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Ward
0: Damn Steve.
1: For Ty Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon?
5: Much cooler in here. How's it going uh, for you guys?
2: Same, uh, uh, very nice, hot outside. Yeah, that, it, thankfully we have AC in here because it is brutal outside right now.
5: Yeah, I was out down to the Fairhope Pier with my wife, and uh, our uh, car's uh, thermostat, I mean, the thermostat, the temperature inside was reading 104 degrees. Uh, we had air conditioning on, so that's that's how hot it is. But anyway, enough of my whining. Well, let's get to it, guys. Speaking of hot, uh, I saw that today, uh, according to uh, Jason Caldwell's practice schedule, that the guys had practice. And I hope to gosh, you know, they are not doing this, you know, in this kind of heat outside, and they're doing the inside. Do you guys know?
2: I, I'm sure they're doing uh, – they've got to be mixing a little bit of both of it in. And, and the reason I say that is you've got to get these guys acclimated to playing in the heat because you know those first few games, it's usually pretty darn hot. And so you've got to be uh, conditioned in this heat. However, they're not going to get it to a dangerous level, and that's why you have indoor practice facilities.
5: Right. So I'm sure, I'm sure they must be uh, consulting with uh, the medical staff
2: there, oh, right? Absolutely. They, they, they've got all sorts of medical staff. Some of the better medical staff that you can find are out there. And uh, they're, they're going to make sure that they, they get enough mixed of getting out in the heat and, and getting some work in so that you can get your body acclimated to it. But they're not going to hurt these kids. I mean, they're going to get them back inside and practice in their big, new, fancy indoor facility as much as they possibly can.
5: Yeah, and I'm referring to any any programs right now that uh, cause I know you've read, I've read them, where, you know, football players, you know, conditioned for, have had, you know, uh, medical issues come up uh, because they were practicing in the heat. So I hope uh, that they are uh, being very cautious. All right, moving on, guys, uh, sticking with our team. This came up to me from footballscoops.com website, and the uh, article is about, who are the most impressive new staffs of the 2023 football season? Uh, have you seen that article?
1: I've, uh, I've not, but I think I, or I've seen a headline that Hugh Friesen and company were third, I believe.
5: Exactly, yeah, number three, yeah. And the other teams, um, Charlotte, number 10, Western Michigan, number nine, Liberty, number eight, South Florida, number seven, Colorado, number six, Purdue number five, Nebraska, number four. I didn't see who they had as number two and one. So, do you guys happen to know?
1: Yeah, not not off the top of my head, no.
5: Would Wisconsin maybe be in there?
1: Uh, possibly with Luke Fickle. Possibly, because uh, obviously it's not all about the head coach, because you know Deion Sanders being sixth, that you could have put him alone higher, but the rest of the staff maybe not, not as as highly rated.
5: And then they had who is the most underrated hire at Auburn, and I thought this is interesting. Who do you think they put? as being the most underrated hire by Hugh Freeze.
1: Hmm. I'm not sure. Wesley McGriff? I don't know. I was
2: actually thinking maybe Montgomery.
5: Kit Austin.
2: Interesting. Okay.
5: Yeah. Because um, I forgot that it says here he's a co-coordinated quarterbacks coach uh, at Liberty. And now, of course, he's the special assistant to head coach, quality control, it says. Uh, but they said the reason they put him in there as the underrated hire because – he was actually a coordinator at Ole Miss, uh, and also uh, was—I didn't know—had head coaching experience in the CFL for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Hamilton Tigers. Didn't know that. Interesting. Oh, uh, moving on, guys. About the uh, comments that have been, I think, all uh, well, my, myself included, misinterpreted uh, about Coach Free saying he's had to rethink uh, his. Uh, or his thoughts about the uh, the quarterback situation. Well, according to uh, Mr. Philip Marshall's uh, column, he said that the words spoken by uh, Hugh Freeze regarding this were widely misinterpreted. Because what he was asked by a reporter, uh, he responded to a question about whether uh, Hugh Freeze was ready to narrow the candidates down to two, and that's what his response was about. Not whether who's a starter. But have you narrowed down to candidates uh, to, to down to two candidates?
1: All right. Yeah, I mean, got, we, we referenced both that. there. Yeah, I mean, we referenced both. But if the if the if the question was more about narrowing it down, then we did hit on that towards the the end of our discussion earlier.
5: Okay. So uh, I'm still reading, you know, uh, glowing comments about Ashford and his uh, performance and performance. Uh, but you guys think it may be Gerner?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's what Tom's believing. I, I'm not as confident either way. I think it's I think it's 50-50. Um, I think Astrid led that coming into the fall, and I think Gardner has been the one that's caught up to him. But I don't necessarily view there as a favorite, and obviously it's a pretty close call for freeze there too.
5: All right. But I'm not so concerned right now about the quarterback as after reading this call from Stat Tiger, according to his uh, stats and information, that uh, um, this red flag's, our defense, and particularly the run defense, guys. If you haven't read it, you might want to read it. Uh, but he goes through some rather alarming statistics. Last year's, we were an all-time low, according to his stats, when it came to our rankings in uh, the run defense. Yeah, yards per carry was
1: like 104, 105. Something
5: 97. Like that. 97.
1: There was another stat that had it in the in the low 100s, but yeah. No, it was really bad.
5: Okay. And he said, "For the past five seasons, uh, we've been able to hold opponents under 140 yards, 53% of the time." Well, he brings this up because Mr. Ron Roberts, as defensive coordinator, has not had a glowing, let's say, uh, resume uh, in his defense. Uh, and he says Roberts currently operates a 3-3-5 scheme. And I read some other comments later on that says that's not been the most effective scheme. And so he educated me here uh, versus 3 3 4. But he then uh, uh, itemizes or, or delineates uh, Robertson's defense's uh, performance uh, with past teams. And he said that Robertson's defense held their opposition to 140 yards 40.6% of the time. He said that's worse than Auburn's five year history uh, recently. And B, he said his defense has allowed over 150 yards rushing 50% of the time. He says that's worse than the run defense under Brian Harsin. I said, crap. Uh, then he goes on to say that eight of Auburn's 12 regular season opponents have been averaging over 150 yards rushing last season. And he says, I don't usually buy into the results of one scrimmage, but I do see a potential red flag with Auburn's success running the football. Uh, and uh, he says, 10 times over the past 40 seasons, Auburn has finished the season with the run defense ranked Fifty seconds or worse, and he says, "Don't forget the rule changes." Of course, in running uh, the running clock. So, uh, guys, uh, what, what are your thoughts about uh, Mr. Ron, uh, Mr. Ron Roberts here, and his three-three-five scheme of uh, run blocking? Because I, I read over the weekend that uh, you know uh, several of our running backs uh, kind of tore tore holes. I don't know what to make of that.
1: Yeah, I don't believe he's going to be doing much three-three-five. I think that what you're looking at. Um, this team, we have already discussed throughout the summer how uh, sneakily bad the rush defense was last year. And we've been very focused with the offense side of things because we have seen that there is obviously now a offensive head coach in here and want to see how that improves in year one. But I don't think that the rush defense will be great. I mean, not you didn't really have to go through all those numbers to – to go through why that's going to be the case i don't think it's all about ron roberts i just think that they don't have their best players on defense up front i think all their best players are in the in the, secondary in the secondary so uh i mean like i i can tell you without those detailed stats that that's going to be very difficult for auburn's rush defense to make a lot of hey they lost some of their best guys up front last year which were more pass rush guys anyway but uh again their their defensive line or i mean they're not they're not supposed to be great. That's going to be the one of the weak points of the team. Well,
5: um, I guess the reason I bring that up because, uh, you know, it, it, it concerned me. I didn't know uh, about Ron Roberts' uh, history uh, when it comes to his defenses and how really they weren't that outstanding. And that's, in fact, when he said that his uh, Roberts' uh, run or his defense you know, um, was worse than Auburn's recent five year history, that, that kind of alarmed me there.
3: The thing is, Auburn's coordinators were very recently group of five head coaches that were fired. Uh, they have some coordinating history in their past that is positive. They have some coordinating history in their past that is negative. They These guys have been coaching for a while. It, no idea if they're going to be good at Auburn. But you take Hugh Freeze has looked at those resumes and said, I trust that they will be more good than bad and that we're going to have to wait and see.
5: Well, I, well, I hope that... Your view is the one that you know actually becomes the outcome. It's not my uh,
3: view; it's Hugh Freeze's.
5: Yeah, well, I hope he's correct because uh, I mean, you know, numbers don't lie; only those who interpret it do, right? And when I saw that Ron Roberts' defense has been worse than Auburn's recent five-year history, I said, "Wow, how can that be?" You know, I can he have been this maybe uh, not not that great. In, the other I thing, think- other,
3: other than last year, Auburn's had a really good defense for a while now. I mean, you go back to the Kevin Steele days, those All were right, some yeah. of the best defenses in Auburn history. Now, yes, last year was historically bad, but before that, Auburn had really, really good defenses.
5: Okay. All right, then. So, um, I guess we just have to see how things, uh, I hope Auburn's defense you know, is, and you're not convinced he's going to be, because he was saying here that he utilizes a 3-3-5 scheme but you're saying no, we probably will be.
3: I have no idea what kind of scheme he's going to use. He's probably going to run a, just, a mixture um, like yeah, the most college defensive gonna, coordinators. Yeah. He's going to run a mixture yeah. of things. Yeah, I just don't okay. think
1: that'll be the the everyday game plan.
5: Okay. Uh, did any of you guys go to a fan day Saturday?
1: Uh, I was no. not even in Auburn, so no.
5: Okay. Do you know? I read. I saw some photos. Well, do you know what the turnout was?
1: Honestly, I don't. I do not. Okay.
5: All right. Um, and with that said, guys, I know we missed out on uh, the five-star uh, basketball player, but thankfully he didn't go to Duke. He went to Kansas, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly I, I think for most Auburn people, they probably uh, don't differentiate the two by too much, but I, I certainly do between <laughs> between Duke and Kansas. So it's uh, still disappointing with all the late buzz over Friday night and Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, no, I would never want someone in basketball to go to Duke.
5: And do you think that Under Armour versus some other, you know, name brand uh, sports, you know, apparel, I have anything to do with that?
3: No, because Kansas is an Adidas school.
5: Okay, I'm just wondering because people always said Under Armour is the reason that we couldn't get, you know, the high recruits. But I said I've not seen the evidence of that. Right.
3: One one coach said that about a decade ago, and there's a reason he's no longer the coach.
5: Okay. All right, guys. Um, that's all I've got for today. Uh, stay cool. Stay safe, and uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. Maybe I'll have more intelligent things to talk about. So until then, War Eagle, guys.
1: War Eagle, C. Appreciate your phone call. That is retired AMC joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line, and we are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. Still a lot to come in hour number two, including a more complete breakdown on the scrimmage from Saturday. We'll get into some of those defensive concerns as well as look at some of the position groups. Uh, of, of skill position groups excuse me on the offensive side of the ball also birthdays and sports coming up a little bit more on auburn recruiting and a little bit later a sports call five at five and a preview of south carolina football for 2023 you're listening to the monday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the Plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports
1: Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy today. Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry are joining me. Got through the first hour of the program today. Two more hours to go on this monday afternoon and part of the first hour we had phone calls part of the first hour we talked a little bit about the quarterback situation with auburn and the comments made by hugh freeze uh, on saturday so let's go ahead and, and move on to some other position groups other parts of the team what we know about that saturday scrimmage it was going to be a scrimmage that was open to the media. There was a plethora of thunderstorm activity last week, changed some schedules around. They ended up not letting the media go in for viewing, but obviously still had availability with the Coach uh, Hugh Freeze after the fact. So this is where we're getting uh, a lot of our information from is the words of Hugh Freeze after that scrimmage. So uh, let's talk the rest of the offense now and some other observations. Uh, there continues to be high praise for the running back room. A lot of Damari Austin sh- chatter from the uh, coaching staff said he broke off several big runs uh, in that scrimmage on Saturday. Now, of course, you just if you just heard the Ward MC phone call, that's also referencing a perceived maybe uh, weakness with that defensive line, one that I'll tell you Ron Roberts or not was going to be predisposed to be a little bit weaker just, just – off the roster, just comparing last year's roster to what they actually brought in. Yes, they brought in some guys that I feel will rush the passer with some level of success this weekend, but those guys, something like Jalen McLeod, that's probably not someone that's going to help you much in your rush defense. So, uh, Ron Roberts' weakness, strength, or not, uh, I think that that is predisposed to be a question mark for Auburn this year. But Demari Austin with some big runs. They said Brian Batiste showed up in a, quote, big way. Also, uh, Jar- Jarquez Hunter looked, quote, solid. And Jeremiah Cobb, quote, is going to be good. Uh, I read that to say that Jeremiah Cobb is very much a freshman, and it's going to be hard for him to earn opportunities this year. But believe me, he is a four-star player that a lot of big schools wanted. He is going to show up at some point. Uh, really continue to hear good things about Demari Austin, And I'm continually surprised by the Positivity towards Brian Batty. Again, I know that he was very productive at South Florida. This league is obviously still much different than the AAC. So running between the tackles for me will still be a question mark until we actually get in the gameplay. But by all accounts and and fall, they they keep saying that he can do it. He's not just going to be someone that we're just spitting out wide trying to get the ball on the edge. Yes, that could be something that he does. Could be returner and all that sort of stuff. But Uh, they continue to me to tell, regardless of the Jarquez Hunter situation, that this feels like a, I don't want to say purely by committee, because that's not to say that Hunter's going to leave most games not having the most carries he will, but that there's going to be opportunities for those guys. If they they start off five carries 40 yards, they're not going to stay at five for 40. They're going to get five more carries throughout the game, and uh, I think they really like the running back room.
3: Yeah, it kind of reads to me like, if if Jarquez is able to play all twelve games, it, let's let's just assume that Jarquez is back. He's going to be the starter. I, it feels to me like he gets two drives, and then another guy gets a drive. Then he gets two more drives, and then another guy gets a drive. And then you know that's that's kind of how they handle the rotation. At the end of the day, I think we're looking at something like twenty carries for Jarquez Hunter and eight to fifteen for the second guy, and five to ten for the next guy. And, and it does feel a little bit like running back by committee, but you do clear you do have a clear starter. Uh, you've, we've seen a lot from, uh, uh, goodness, 22 was the Mario We've seen a lot of Demari Austin hype, I guess it been seen a lot of videos of him. He's apparently breaking a lot of runs in practice. We'll see how it translates into games, but they're apparently pretty high on Demari Austin. The Brian Batty thing will be interesting. I'll believe it when I see it. That a guy who weighs what 160, 170 pounds can run between the tackles in the SEC. I, and I'm not saying they're not trying him. I'm not saying that he's not tough enough. I'm just saying there's a reason that SEC running backs are around 200 pounds. You know, you've got to be able to take a beating, and that I, I just don't know if he physically can. Uh, but it, certainly, if if he can run between the tackles, then you know that's another thing you can do with him out there. And obviously, he's got the speed and the athletic, the athleticism. Uh, to handle kickoffs, so clearly he, you know get him the ball, in in open space, so you can do multiple things with him, and if he can, then that's great. But either way, I think that Auburn's running back room is shaping up to be really good this year.
2: Yeah, uh, the, we always knew that that running back core was going to be good just because of what you had coming back. And you add some of those pieces in there. Uh, now with, uh, with Brian Batte, I've heard a lot about him as a kicker turner. I've heard that he could be electrifying as a kicker turner. I, I'm with y'all that I don't know how he's going to be between the tackles, but just kind of picturing in my head the offense, I, I almost I, I kinda almost think Ontario McCaleb a little bit just because the way that you could kind of put him in there and there's that other option that you can give the ball to him. I mean you've got your you've got your Bell Cows back there, whether it be Jarquez or Damari but if you have a brian datte out there that can be electrifying like that especially if he's on the you know can be electrifying on the edge that gives you that gives a defense another person that they've got to keep account of and if he can hurt you getting to the edge like that then you're able to do some fakes on the inside and give it to him around the corners or or however you want to work that i mean so if you have him on the field and defenses know that he can be electric when he gets the ball in his hands it may not need necessarily be between the tackles but it's another person they're going to have to account for. And let's also take into consideration if you have a quarterback, we're going to assume Peyton Thorne, not a quarterback that you are expecting to really hurt you with their, with his legs. Sure. He can move a little bit. I mean, he's mobile enough, but he's not a guy that you're just like, Oh my gosh, that guy can destroy us if he starts running. So you keep that passing aspect. But if you get a guy like Batty in there that can hurt you on the edge, then that kind of gives you that extra uh, run thing that defenses are going to have to account for. I think that's probably where they're looking at using him. Uh, you know, Jarquez and Damari are going to be your guys that are banging it inside, and Batti will be that guy that periodically you give it to him around the edge. That's just what I'm thinking.
1: Sure. And, I mean, again, pre- predisposed by size to absolutely be the case. I'm just simply mentioning sure. that, that they continue to hype him up in that way, whether that actually becomes – real life once we actually get to game action we'll see but uh, again they continue to to seem impressed by it the other positions on offense wide receivers offensive line both um both question marks for Auburn so many new faces of any position group on the team just by volume of new people it seems like these two positions went out uh yes there were a few defensive linemen that'd be maybe next up But these two positions so many new guys The observations there, incredible wide receiver week of practice. However, Hugh Freeze was not impressed with those guys in the scrimmage. And then as far as offensive line, they said that the run game seemed to operate uh, in a real positive way in offense in general earlier in the scrimmage. And the later it went was less impressed by offensive line. So maybe a conditioning uh, question mark there. Again, still three weeks from game one, not panic time for any – faults but again those are kind of the the comments from the coaching staff that again this the offensive side of the ball maybe started stronger uh, fell a little bit towards the end of practice and the wide receivers were not really standing out in the right. scrimmage
2: well and and that right there kind of then goes back to what we were just talking about with Steve on the phone about the guys being outside in this heat they're gonna have to be out there some you you can't just sequester these guys away in the indoor facility in the air conditioning and just work you know in there they're in the shade and the no, because the games are going to be played outside and it's going to be hot. And everybody that has ever been to an Auburn football game early in the season knows that those first couple of games inside Jordan Hare Stadium, it's usually brutally, brutally hot. So they've got to be outside. And if, if they were doing that in the scrimmage and were struggling late, then that is a conditioning thing. But you got to break them of that. And you're not going to break them of that by just keeping them inside in the air conditioning. Granted, you don't want to get dangerous with it and have guys falling out from heat stroke and all this. So, I mean, you have to monitor that, but if that is a conditioning thing that you saw in the scrimmage, then the way you break that is get them out there in this heat and work them. So I, you know, I'm going to go off the, I'm going to go off the idea that the heat kind of started getting in, getting to them. The conditioning started getting to them and, Uh, But that's why you do these preseason scrimmages and these workouts is you see what's working, you see what's not working, you see the conditioning that you're in or that you're not in, and you fix it. And I'm putting my trust in Hugh Freeze and that staff that they're going to see the deficiencies and get it fixed. And so that once you get ready to kick off against UMass, there's still going to be deficiencies because it's the first game of the year. There always is. I don't care who you are. You'd be the best team in the country. There's still t- things in the first game kinks and all that you got to get worked out. So uh, get them worked out now. Get the conditioning up to where it needs to be uh, by the time you kick off, and let's get ready to roll with it.
3: Yeah, it, you know Hugh Freeze's offenses have always gone fast. He's going to hurry up, no huddle. He's gonna put. He's gonna go as fast as possible. And any high school football player can tell you how exhausting it is to. Practice a two minute offense, much less do it in a scrimmage situation. So, uh, conditioning, yeah, totally get it. These are guys that are coming from not hurry up, no huddle offenses to playing this new style of offense and, and not it, new to them. It's been around for a little while now, but new to them, and they've got to get conditioned for it. And you cannot condition to that point in what a, a week and a half, something like that. So, it Totally makes sense that the Heat got to him offensively a little bit, and when the offense starts to get tired, the defense will take advantage. So that sh- that part checks out to me.
1: Where do you guys want this offense to settle in terms of pace this year? We I think the numbers at Liberty that we've talked about last week, or they ended up being thirties or forties in plays per minute, and and some things go into that incomplete passes that sort of thing. But is there a target for you how fast you want this offense to operate?
3: I just don't want to see. And you know I I've defended Gus on a lot, but one of the things that I disliked about the Gus Malzahn offense was every time you got a first down on a play, you're going to go as quickly as possible and run the exact same you run play the again. Same play, exactly. run the exact same play. I don't want to see that. If yeah. we start seeing that, then you know we're we're you're in trouble again. You know you just paid a guy forty million dollars, so you didn't have to watch that, and now we're watching it again with a brand new guy. So that's what I don't want to see. Um, I also don't want to see the thing that Gus started to do when when his struggles really started at around fifteen or sixteen, where you go out there, you go as quick as you can, and you go three and out, and now your defense has had a minute and a half to rest. Yeah. I, I want to I want this team, I, you know I don't care what style of offense they run, man. I mean, I just I, I, just I want, know I, I know, day, it's, I know yeah, your question score the is, points. Yeah. yeah, just score score the points. How who cares how they're scored? But uh, if I'm gonna play along with this question. I want to see the offense put pressure on the defense. I want, I want the defense to be reactionary, not the offense just going fast because we have to go fast and that's how we've always done it. So we're going to go fast. I want the speed of the offense to be something that affects the defense more than affects the offense. Situationally, I, I
1: know that some up-tempo offenses play it where they got to get the first first down. Yeah, then they'll go quick. Then they feel that in and the timing mechanisms that that's the way to go. Someone that's incredibly wild, but I still we still love to talk about him, Lane Kiffin, who basically goes no matter what, even if they haven't gotten the first down yet. If he gets six yards on first and ten, he's going to go very quickly for second down. I almost wonder if, because we, we, we've talked about this from the point of view is just fan displeasure uh, and just being a little disgruntled by The fact of how many commercials there are, (laughs) how how many media timeouts there are, the joke that if you're 2.30 game on CBS, it's going to be a four-hour game, and that sort of thing. That almost allows you as an offense to feel that you can go faster and not worry about the repercussions of burning the defense because – You have extra timeouts. You have a longer timeout. You have instead of these two or two and a half media timeouts that we used to have, they're three and a half minutes. Anybody can see the board now. That's the one. They're very transparent. They're they're flaunting the fact that the media timeouts are indeed longer than they used to be. Is that a good argument for not caring as much about? If you go three and out, but you still want to go fast, because I I know that some three and outs will still mandate that there won't be a media timeout. You go right back out there. But usually you can't go more than two straight possessions without a media timeout. So I'm I'm saying to you to say you get your stop, okay? You get your stop. You're about to go back on offense. Media timeout. And then – Say, so unfortunately you go three and out you went real quickly they won't give you media timeout but you had one before your offensive sequence so you still had one at one point there it doesn't necessarily I don't maybe I'm overanalyzing it too much too I'm just I'm just giving the scenarios and again Hugh Freeze ultimately being in like the 40s last year in Liberty he that doesn't even strike me as one of the highest Uh, paces you know it is above average because average would be in the 60s somewhere but it's not even like lightning quick stuff i just know that montgomery and freeze both in general like up tempo so i certainly don't think the tempo will be slow
3: yeah i mean you're you're raising a a point that's valid it's just one i've never thought about because i like looking at it from the perspective of a football coach i don't want to worry about tv timeouts affecting my defense but i mean you're you're not wrong like that's that's a factor and it, it it Coming in between possessions like that, or during timeouts, uh, I'm sure it has something to do with it. But at the end, like, yeah, three and a half minutes is a is a long time. I'm it's not enough to fully rest your defense. You know, as a defensive player, for a coach to get all the analysis he needs, and and all of the the water and the oxygen masks and blah 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 like that. I would guess that takes a solid five, six, seven minutes for the heart rates to come down fully for guys to feel like they're ready to go back out there again. I I don't know. It's an interesting question though. And it certainly affects like how is the current how is the modern game different from, you know, the eighties or whatever.
1: Yeah, because I mean, again, there there's no debate on the fact that there are more commercials than there were ten, twenty years ago. Again, that's part of sports becoming more valuable. I mean, that's part of the more money being influenced by it, and I wonder, and maybe, again, I'm not saying you do everything because Lane Kiffin's kind of smart at offense because, again, he (laughs) has his problems too, and we've talked about them, and they still only ranked like 20-something last year in points per game, so it wasn't like they just set the world on fire over there at Ole Miss. But, I mean, I feel like there is at least that thought where, okay, the whole reason we didn't start – no huddle or up tempo until we got a first down or two was because we want to make sure we're just not just putting it right back to the other team but if you've already had the media timeout or there's the promise of another one because it's CBS and we got to have five a quarter then it, it it feels less consequential to have the quick exit from the offense now again these are all hypotheticals centering around not good things so ultimately is we joked a moment ago. I would like to score a touchdown, whether it takes seven minutes or two minutes or twelve plays or yep. five
3: plays. Doesn't matter. Was it South Carolina in two thousand, like two or three or four, where Tommy Tuberville got the opening second half kickoff and scored a touchdown on the last play of the third quarter? I, I remember there being a Tommy Tuberville story where he did that. Like he held the ball for an entire quarter. I, I that i i know where you, i
2: re, i absolutely remember that happening i definitely don't remember what game it was but i do remember them controlling uh the ball for the an entire quarter i mean that that did happen i do remember that <laughs> do, you're not <laughs> That's gonna, something else well, yeah but you're not going to see that with this type of no, offense no. Uh, at all i mean this is going to be quick fast paced get it down the field but I, but i agree with everything that you're talking about i mean it, it's Fast pace, that hurry up is it can be detrimental to a defense. But if you're not successful with it, like we just were talking about, then your defense is right back on the field again, and and you don't want that. So, um, I, I think it's going to be a mixture of of some different stuff. Uh, you know, they want to hurry when they can, but they're going to try to slow it when they when they need to. Uh, they they also, uh, you would hope as a staff on the offensive side, that they also know when they. Defense is gassed and we was like, "Hey, a let's instinctive there. You're right. Yeah. It's like let's try to slow this down and give our guys a chance to to get to, <laughs> catch the wind over here, and so that we're not like immediately three and out, in, you know, in quick succession. And now we're, we've got them right back out there. That's things that as a staff that you have to recognize, and you have to be able to slow it down when you need to slow it down, and go pace when you want to go pace.
3: So I did find the story. This is courtesy of Saturday Down South in the 2006. 2006- Victory 24 to 17 over South Carolina. After fielding the second half kickoff, the Tigers drove for more than eight minutes before settling on a field goal, then driving again for six plus minutes after recovering an onside oh, kick. That's right. Auburn ended the third quarter at South Carolina's one yard line. Kenny Irons scored on a fourth and one play to start the fourth quarter and capped the Tigers' time of possession over that span.
1: Wow, well, that's so a tired fif- defense. By 15, the end of
3: that. 15 minutes and one second of possession to start the second half.
1: Goodness wow. gracious. He the random onside kick when you yeah. can get that man yeah. mm-hmm. uh that's that's something else you know i also would say i would not to that degree although that technically was two possession split um the clock will expire slightly quicker now in 2023 because they will not be stopping the yeah. clock as much again it's still kind of a ready for play instance for out of bounds and stuff like that but first downs will not will not be stopped in any capacity so that's an that's Five to ten seconds that are, the clock's not stopped where it used to be every single time you get a first down. So clock can clock can wane a little quicker. Again, I think the projection that they gave us at SEC Media Days was like six to seven to eight less plays a game as their official predict high single digits. So it, it shouldn't be complete game changer. But, again, if you're one of those really slow-paced teams in the Big Ten or somewhere else, you can chop up instead of seven or eight minutes, maybe nine or ten on a drive there could be a, a drive or two this year where we're like that was what well they got the <laughs> ball win uh so i'm interested to see some of that we're gonna take our next time out of the show when we come back we're gonna get to t- today's birthdays in sports and then also on the other side of the break we'll get to the other side of the ball the defensive side of the ball tell you the strengths and weaknesses from the first fall scrimmage you're listening to the monday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Sportscon Sacker 95.9, Ryan Branton. Tom with you here on this Monday afternoon, halfway home on this Monday afternoon. About this time tomorrow, fellas, we're talking a little bit about uh, Thunder Chicken playoffs. Victorious last week. 7.30 game. So there will – even though it's all in the first round, there's not enough fields for all the first round games. So we're not be eliminated first. Like, we might lose our first game, but we're not right. going to be eliminated first. Just just throwing that out there. you really put a lot of things on the banner for this year's team. Like, 14 innings <laughs> in one night, first legit win, not eliminated first. Lots of things put yeah. on that banner. I'm just saying. Uh, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one eight nine tiger 9 to join us on the show today. We're going to get to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, from the first scrimmage of fall practice right after we get to today's birthdays in sports it's
0: time for today's birthdays in
1: sports all right birthdays in sports today got a good list and it starts with urban magic johnson who turned 64 today Former point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers, Johnson was born in Michigan. It was a start in high school, earning the nickname Magic in his sophomore year after registering a triple-double.
2: Yep, that was at Everett High School in Lansing, Michigan. Go Vikings.
1: The Vikings, where he won a state championship as a senior. He was a one-time All-American. He played college basketball at Michigan State. Go Spartans. He was a two-time All-American. As a sophomore, he led Michigan State to an NCAA tournament title was named the most outstanding player of the tournament. His number 33 is retired by the Spartans. He was picked first overall by the Los Angeles Lakers in 1979, played his entire 13-year career in LA, building reputations, reputation as one of the best point guards of all time. 12-time All-Star, 10-time All-Pro, 4-time assist leader, 2-time steals leader, 3-time most valuable player, 5-time NBA Finals champion, 3-time Finals MVP. He was on one side of the greatest rivalry in the National Basketball Association, those 80 Celtics versus 80 Lakers, or something else, yep. Magic Johnson led bird. the way for the Lakers. Yep.
2: Magic versus Bird.
1: What a, what a storybook that was for a long period of time. Magic Johnson is 64 today. Mike Vrabel is 48, head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Vrabel was born in Akron and played college football at Ohio State. Oh, Buckeyes. Where he was a two-time Big Ten defensive lineman of the year. In 2012, he was inducted into the Ohio State Hall of Fame. He was taken in the third round of the 1997 draft by the Steelers. Played 14 years in the NFL for Pittsburgh, New England, and Kansas City. One-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and three-time Super Bowl champion, all with the Patriots. Retired in 2010, went into coaching. Uh, as a position coach at Ohio State in 2018, he was named head coach of the Titans and in 2022 won NFL Coach of the Year. Mike Braberl is 48 today.
2: Yep. Straight out of Wals- Walsh Jesuit High School in Cayuga Falls, Ohio. Go Warriors. Go Warriors. Okay. You, uh, so Warriors and
1: Vikings. Vikings. Okay. So we're, we're battling something still. All right, Tim Tebow. A theme. <laughs> Tim Tebow is 36 today. If we can't have quirky names, I'm going to at least
3: see if there's a, a theme there. Well, that, that's, You said like the, the Walsh Warriors? Walsh Jesuit. Okay, well, so we'll shorten that to Walsh and we'll say War. it's alliteration.
1: <laughs> Walsh Warriors. Tim Tebow, 36 today. Former NFL quarterback, Tebow was born in the Philippines with his family returning to Florida when he was three years old. He was a high school All-American and two-time Mr. Football for the state of Florida at? At
2: Nice High School in Pontravedra Beach, be- I cannot talk Pontre- today. Pontravedra Beach, Florida. So I guess the Vikings and the Warriors will be fighting against the Panthers. Okay. Go Panthers! But let's also remember, Tim Tebow did not actually attend Nice High School. He was homeschooled. Right. But he got a waiver and was able to play football for Nice. So he was still a Go Panthers, but he actually did did not go to school there. He was homeschooled and only played football for Nice. He then played college football at Florida. Go Gators. Three-time All-American, two-time
1: SEC Offensive Player of the Year, two-time winner of the Maxwell Award, winner of the 2007 Heisman Trophy, two-time SEC Champion, two-time BCS National Champion, one-time National Championship MVP. His number 15 is honored by Florida. He was drafted 25th overall by the Broncos in 2010, spent a few years in the NFL for becoming a broadcaster for the SEC Network and Motivational Speaker. He is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Tim Tebow turns 36 today.
3: It was really cool seeing him be like, oh, this is the best college player ever. No one's ever done this thing. And then, like, two years after him, Cam Newton came to Auburn. (laughs) And it was just, all right, well.
1: Just keep raising the bar. Yeah. Raising the bar. Yeah. Ed O'Bannon turns 51, former NBA forward, most known for his time with the UCLA Bruins.
2: Bruins. (laughs) Go Bruins. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was already in
1: there. Yeah, Oban was born in California. As a high schooler, was an All American after leading his high school to a state championship as a senior.
2: And that was at Artesia High School in Lakewood, California. Go Pioneers! Go Pioneers played a co- little bit different than yeah, our Vikings, different. Warriors, and Panthers.
1: Yeah, that wasn't bad. Played college basketball at UCLA, where he was a three-time All Pac-10 selection, two-time All American, and in t- uh, 2000, excuse me, 19, excuse me. Uh, He was the Pac-10 Player of the Year, winner of the John Wooden Award, an NCAA Tournament champion, and most outstanding player of the tournament. His number 31 is retired by UCLA. He's selected ninth in the NBA draft by the Nets, but only played two years in the NBA and played the remainder of his career in Europe. Ed O'Bannon is 51 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. Magic Johnson is 64, Mike Grable 48, Tim Tebow 36, and Ed O'Bannon 51. All right, guys, let's now transition into the defensive side of the ball for Auburn football as we've been breaking down what we know about the first scrimmage of the year. And we've now spoke on pretty much all the offense. So defensive side of the ball. And I think the, the theme here, uh, and it was a pretty simple theme at, at one point, was uh, Hugh Free saying that they just needed to tackle better, which I think right. that is – in reference, probably, to that running game, uh, especially the early part of the scrimmage. And this is where it gets into such a tough, well, what what do we actually know debate. Because we think we know that the running backs are really good. We think we know that defensive line is behind. You, you hope that it is at least to some degree like that, because then you can still reliably have really good run production all year long the offensive line is improving this that and the other but if it's more so just a product of the defensive line being bad then you start to worry about wait a minute like the running backs might be talented but are we actually going to move somebody off the line of scrimmage are we actually going to get in our spots when zone blocking like what are we going to do you know we can be okay there is it just taking advantage of a bad defensive line so you get in your head a little bit about that but clearly was not impressed by the tackling he talked a little bit about Jalen McLeod and Steven Sings, how good they are at rushing the pass They are clearly the two best pass rushers on the team right now, uh, kind of inferring from what Hugh Freeze is talking about. Uh, and, look, I just think that at this point, there are some injuries which are important. Uh, at the linebacking court and I, I did i do want to talk about injuries on the other side of the ball at some point too but mention austin keys and wesley steiner going through some injury bugs right now shoulder for keys steiner for hamstring and no idea the severity i don't think they're bad but you know something that was worth noting and freezes mind so again nothing here to buck any trends or any themes of what we feel like we know about defense going into the fall
2: yeah, well, the one thing – yeah, you mentioned he, he talked about uh, Jalen McLeod and Steven Sings. Uh, but he talked about the missed tackles, but one of the things is was, especially in the secondary, and that's where we've talked about is that's the best group. That I mean, that's – one of the better secondaries in college football is, is here at Auburn University right now. But apparently even that secondary is having trouble tackling, especially when you got to uh, the second level there. So that is going to be disappointing when that's supposed to be your top group and they're struggling to tackle. Um but, yeah, I mean, the big thing is on that defense, when you're talking up front, I, I'm going to say it just like I was talking about with the uh, on the offensive side of things. That's why you scrimmage now. It's like, let's see where the deficiencies are, see where we need to fix things, see where our personnel needs to be. Um, he seems to be happy with the depth that they have up front, which was going to be a huge question mark. It, it was that depth. So find those deficiencies in these scrimmages and in these practices and, and – tweak your lineup if you need to but um, you know it's it's, yeah you're gonna have to get in there in the trenches and do it Uh, that's gonna be a big thing on strength and conditioning and that's one thing I haven't really heard a whole lot of people talk about strength and conditioning coach or strength and conditioning kind of as a whole obviously from what we saw last year the defense especially up front they they need to bulk up more Uh, they've got to get more powerful up front and not Easily pushed around. We saw a lot of that last year, and that's very uncommon for Auburn up front. Is to see them getting pushed around. I mean, we're used to seeing you know Marlon Davidson, Derek Brown type guys up front that don't get pushed, and that that group got pushed around a good bit last year. So, whatever needs to be fixed with that in the weight room, technique wise, or however, you know, that's get these preseason practices going and 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 do that and, and find the deficiencies and fix them.
3: You know, I know they name-dropped the secondary, and I know we've talked about our concerns with the defensive line. My biggest concern on that defense as far as stopping the run is at the linebacker spot because, I mean, look at who you've got in there. You've got Larry Nixon, who was really good at North Texas last year. Yes, he was very good. Yes, I expect him to be a decent linebacker at Auburn, but he is making the jump from North Texas to the SEC. There's a difference there. Uh, You've got Austin Keys, who's a guy who came over from Ole Miss who couldn't really get on the field at Ole Miss. That's why he's at Auburn. Uh, and then you've got guys like Wesley Steiner and Cam Riley who, well, you know, we know that those guys have a lot of talent. They've been here for a while. They were highly rated recruits. Wesley Steiner got benched for a walk-on at certain points last year. And Cam St- or, uh, whoa. Uh, Cam, <laughs> Cam Riley, excuse me, is, is a guy that, you know, we've seen some good things, but he can't do it consistently. So I, I'm, re- I have a lot of questions about the linebackers that Auburn currently has. Uh, Larry Nixon was
1: actually someone that Freeze brought up as having, quote, the most negative plays created. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was a, th- a feather in the cap of Larry Nixon, the third uh, for that first scrimmage. Again, the, the generalized takeaway from the team was that offense kind of dominated early, and that's when they ran the ball really well. I think uh, that might have been where the two passing touchdowns even occurred. And then the defense kind of overtook the offense in the second part of the scrimmage, and we were wondering or uh, the coaches were wondering if that was more conditioning related and, and that sort of thing. So clearly I think the sentiment was a little disappointed in the defense, but even the offense didn't click on all cylinders. The other injuries uh, to note besides those two linebackers and Keyes and Steiner, uh, a bunch of wide receivers were noted. Four wide receivers have some sort of uh, injury problem over the weekend. Camden Brown is just quote bad luck injuries. I, I'm not sure what that means or what a- is ailing him, but bad luck. Hopefully he is kept the feet on the ground getting out of the shower. Hopefully the you know no, no slippery bathtubs. I, I, like I just <laughs> I'm just saying like I don't no, know bad luck no, injuries. No means.
2: moped accidents riding yeah. around campus.
1: Uh, Javarius Johnson with a mouth injury. I don't know, just someone that smoked Monday Target. I don't know. Uh, Malcolm Johnson, Jr., a shoulder problem, and Coy Moore, an ankle problem. Again, there was no really clear indication of severity of these injuries. I would assume that they are fairly minor in nature or else they would be mentioned as something concerning to watch It was just, like, guys that maybe are being limited because of these things and just not going in full. What's ironic about that is all four of those wide receivers were on the team last year. They're none of the new guys. and. We obviously know because of all the players that Auburn brought in there that Auburn needed to upgrade that wide receiver room it is not a good sign. If those guys that are trying to fight for their jobs still are now having injury problems, and uh, like I'm ready to see a lot of these new guys like Jair Shorter and Shane Hooks and and uh, Caleb Burton. But I, I did also mention last week like I still think that Camden Brown's got a high ceiling and would love to see him out there, but he's quote bad luck injury, so that's not exactly awesome either so that's kind of our complete rundown both sides of the ball everything that we know about the first scrimmage of course we'll continue to talk more uh about practices going forward this week and uh they'll have another scrimmage towards the end of the week so uh they've uh, they've certainly we've we've hit on all the main things Tommy, got something else real quick
2: yeah you know the one thing i was also going to say though is for everybody out there to keep in mind is it's a scrimmage they're playing each other you know, this is, this is them going up against each other. There's not a whole – you're not going to trick a lot of people. I mean, the defense kind of has an idea what the offense is going to do. The offense kind of has an idea what the defense is going to do. Um, Yeah, you've got to do these scrimmages. But, I mean, you know, really that first true test is going to be UMass. Because, I mean, let's face it, that's kind of like a scrimmage against another team that it actually counts. I mean, I would it, tell
1: you, I'm not like this because I usually always pump the brakes on spring game and stuff like that. Right. But with all due respect to the Minutemen, uh, <laughs> I think this is probably more constructive, honestly, than playing oh, the war or the team that's projected 120 something right. in the FPS.
2: But it at least gives you a chance. At least in that one, it gives you a chance to go up against somebody else. Sure, a diff- I know. You know, yeah. th- somebody going to mean way more. Sure. Yeah, I mean, somebody it that means does, more. Somebody, yeah, somebody that doesn't know what you're doing. And, and, you know, on both sides of the ball. And it, it's a lot more difficult to gauge when you're playing against yourself than when you actually put it on paper, on the field, in front of somebody else, and then see what happens. Because, well, but here's the other thing is, yeah, you know, it, it weighs, you know, you can talk about the weight or whatever. If you get into that first game and you're struggling against a team that is supposed to be the worst team in college football. And you're struggling. Yeah,
1: it's not going to go well against.
2: Then the SEC teams, right, yeah. but that gives you a chance. Of course, you know now vice versa on that. If you go in there and you just flat dominate them, put sixty on the board, and and barely even allow a first down, it's like man, that's pretty good. Yeah, but it was against UMass. Yeah, so it's almost mm, why it's kind of a. It's why I can make the argument. like well, if you can perform against guys
1: on your team that know what you're doing, right? It's, it's almost like well, that's. Yeah that feels pretty good that they knew what you were doing and I still made the play, that sort of thing. But, again, I mean, obviously you throw an interception in the scrimmage, you know, it's not going to end worlds. But then if you start throwing right to linebackers on UMass and you have four or five turnovers and you have a – what was that – not the JSU game, Mercer. You have a Mercer game arise where you have like six turnovers and you only win by two touchdowns or whatever it was.
0: And you know, that's or, doing, or Georgia,
2: Georgia State, where you had to, yeah, went on the last, went on the last play, play basically. basically.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, look, it, it can Jacksonville State, it can go overtime. off the the rails there, but yeah. uh, I, I think that again, trying to learn what we need to learn, at least for a starting point for the year and uh, some of these depth chart battles and that sort of thing. One final timeout here in the second hour of the show. Still got to tell you about, well, a lot to be honest with you. Got a 5 at 5 coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Got a best and worst of the weekend. Got a preview of South Carolina football. Also, want to at least hit on it for just a moment the AP Top 25 that was released a few hours ago. We'll tell you about that next. back to sports call tiger 95.9 ryan lavoie brand dotry tom peavey with you here on this monday afternoon few more minutes left here in hour number one as said before the break still a lot to go through in hour number three i've even prepared some audio for the best and worst of the weekend this time so i'm gonna try to bring a pretty diabolical best and worst <laughs> All I, already, right. I already thought of both One, to be fair, happened this morning, uh, but one had happened over the weekend. So feel good about both of those. So that's coming up in hour number three, as well as a preview of South Carolina football, but a few minutes left in this hour. So we want to get to the release of the AP Top 25 poll. Last week, the coaches poll came out. We didn't really talk about it. Coaches are great. We love them. We talk about them all the time. They're important, blah, blah. Uh, But the AP poll is the poll that goes off all the rankings and until we get the college football playoff ranking at the end of october the ap poll is what we go off of to rank these teams so we waited for this we have it now georgia is the number one team in the country coming into the preseason that may be fun for georgia fans or inauspicious for the season as 17 of the last 19 preseason number one teams have not won the title only 04 usc and 17 alabama uh, or preseason number one and one title. Of course, Georgia also trying to threepeat for the first time since Minnesota and God knows when. Uh, how Long know. time. Uh, Michigan number two, Ohio State number three, Alabama number four, LSU number five, USC six, Penn State seven, Florida State eight, Clemson nine, UW, which is Washington number 10. I just like saying UW. I think that's a cool nickname, even though their program's just okay in general, but good. Good team this year as they should be. Texas 11, Tennessee 12, Notre Dame 13, Utah 14, Oregon 15, Kansas State 16, TCU 17, Oregon State, the Beavs 18, Wisconsin 19, Oklahoma 20, North Carolina 21, Ole Miss 22, Texas A&M 23, Tulane, the Green Wave 24, and Iowa's defense 25. All right, votes to be ranked of note. So Texas Tech is the first team out. They're 26th. South Carolina, we're going to talk about a little bit later, 27th. UCLA, Chip Kelly is 28th. UTSA, 29. Arkansas, 30. Uh, Kentucky would rank 33rd. Their rival, Louisville, would rank 34. Troy would rank 35. Auburn would rank 37. Uh, also, Mississippi State would rank 41. Florida would rank Tied for 41, technically. They rank with Mississippi State at 42. Also, South Alabama has a vote to be ranked. I think we get to about 50 teams that have one vote to be ranked. Any takeaways
3: from this top 25 poll? Troy is ranked higher than Auburn. That is a takeaway. <laughs> yes, they are. I know Tulane had a really good year last year. I'm not sure how good they're going to be this year. Also fair. That's. Yeah. Uh, I thought Oregon would be higher. I did too. 15. It's weird to me that Penn State is at seven. I don't know how I feel about Texas either. I
2: I'm not sold on Texas. Yeah,
3: I I feel like Oregon should be closer to the top ten than they are. That's that's probably my that's probably the biggest eyebrow raise to me, is that Oregon is fifteenth when I thought they would be around ten.
1: Yeah, the the way the Pac 12 there, um, because Oregon going into it and need to do a little more research about exactly what's back on that defense and that sort of thing. But you see Utah rank one spot ahead. You see Washington a few spots ahead. Obviously, we know USC is going to be a title contender this year. They're at six. I, that did surprise me. I can't marry myself to saying that's just absurd, but I th- do think that that surprised me that they I thought they'd be – let me put – I thought they'd be 10 or 11 where Washington is, and I thought Washington would be 14 or
3: 15. Yeah, that's fair. I think another weird thing is Clemson is ninth. They just had their worst season in forever. And I know we all kind of think that Kay Klubnick's kind of the guy, and he looks to be pretty good. But we saw him for, what, one or two games last year? I don't know if we can call that a big enough sample size. So Clemson being that high is also a little bit weird to me. Well, I
2: mean, what about Florida State?
3: Florida State has gotten a lot of hype. In I know. This off-season. People, people really like Florida State right now.
2: I'm wondering if it's too much hype
3: for Florida Perhaps. State. Perhaps. It could be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, eight, I, I have not studied Florida State. I just know that a lot of people are like, "Hey, this team could win the ACC this year."
1: I, I look. I have a tendency to think that some of these Pac-12 teams may end up being over Florida State and Clemson if they don't figure it out. If one doesn't become demonstrative in the in the ACC. And look, part of it too is the schedules because Florida State's going to start with LSU. Clemson's going to have. Uh, Notre Dame at some point in the year. Obviously, that Clemson-Florida State game will be very important. I think that – I mean, if – Florida State did go 10-3 last year. Yeah, I mean, if Clemson played Washington on a neutral right now, who would I take? Uh, See, I think Clemson's defense would be better, but I think Penix would be very hard to stop. It'd be I I'd be torn, and so I think they're fair to be right around each other. I don't think I think that if there is discrepancies by a couple spots, it's not by several. Um, I wonder about a team like Oklahoma who was six and six. Is twentieth that expensive to be ranked? No, I mean it's Oklahoma. They should be that good, but twentieth is kind of like a hedging bet that there's just no way they'd be that bad again. But it's also there's no proof whatsoever that Brent Venables would be good, uh, and then a lot of people are going to talk about A and M at 23. I don't care. Uh, look, look, my 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 thought is that paper. If you j- take everything out, just stare at a piece of paper, you would put them in the top 10, probably yep. top 10 the to top 15. If you took, if you use no paper, you went paperless. Just give me the email. Don't send it to me in the mail, and. You just looked at everything funny. else. I, I just got that though. was <laughs> Thank funny. You. if you just looked at everything else, you'd say, Well, they're six and six. They're gonna be in the fifties or sixties. That should average out in the thirties or high twenties. They're ranked twenty-third. Again, I it doesn't anger me. We will we will find out. I, I think that we all agree. It will be dramatic on one side of the equation. They will either have a really quality team this year and the the, the noise will be silenced. Or they will be bad. And again, the joke I keep using is: sometime in October or November, we will be assessing the buyout money of Jimbo Fisher. Yeah,
2: well, and, and I, again, I always say this every preseason, and it always proves me right so far. Is they always have so much talent? They recruit at a high level. Prove it to me. Prove it yep. to me, Jimbo. And he has not. And I don't know. Maybe the Petrino thing will get it turned around. I. I am really not sold that those two can coexist with each other. I I think that's a re- real dangerous recipe for the Aggies when you have two guys like that. So, uh, but it could be wrong. Um, again, prove it to me. The one thing I wanted to go back, I was talk, We were talking real quick about Florida State. Just looking at, I mean, there's a real chance that they have two losses in the first four weeks because I mean they open against LSU neutral site and then they play at Clemson. Oh yeah, we'll know all we the, need to know about yeah. very quickly. I mean, yeah. in the first four, they could they could potentially be two and two. Yeah, to start out, or they're four and zero oh and they're th- going to the
3: playoffs. Uh, exactly, yeah. pretty
2: much. I mean, right at that point.
3: How do we feel about Notre Dame at thirteenth?
2: I'm fine. I mean, speaking so, of like, I'm, I'm I'm fine with it because it you know. That's kind of, it feels like that's where Notre Dame usually kind of sits. Is there, sometimes they'll be sneaky good and they'll get up there to the playoffs and then just get absolutely mollywopped by Alabama or somebody. But they win enough that they kind of hover in that, that 13, 12, you know, flirt with 10, and then they'll lose one to somebody. I mean, that they, they kind of seems, their typical spot.
1: I'm good with it because they were a vastly different team in the second half of last year. They played more like a top 25 team, even though the first three to four games, they looked awful. Uh, And then remember their quarterback this year is going to be Sam Hartman, who I value as one of the top five, seven, eight quarterbacks in the country. So I'm not sold on Marcus Freeman yet, but I don't think I have to be for them to be a nine or 10 win team this year. Uh, and to have Hartman do some pretty big things to the offense. Again, they were, again, much different in the second half. So, uh, you know, again, do, do I really – am I – yeah, I could put Oregon above them, but am I impassioned to put TCU after all they lost or Kansas oh. State Well, that's what I was above about them? to say. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, at, at that point, and again, at least Notre Dame will have the, the four to five to six big games where we'll find out.
2: I think that's pretty I, – I think that's a pretty bold move having TCU at 17. Like you yeah. said, with the amount it's, that they lost. It's just because they made the title. I
1: mean, I'm just being honest I, with you. Sure. No, a, I
2: get it. But, they, I mean, they lost so much. And, you know,
1: argh. yeah. Yeah. Again, I, if you would take the bet on over under their finishing position of 17th right. country, I would, I would smash the under. But again, yeah. Yeah uh that's just that that's just a play to say hey you were technically second in the country last year even though other teams could have beaten you i'm just saying you finished in the title well, game you lost in the title. i
2: will game. also say this by the end of the season auburn will be in the top 25 all
1: right you're going for it all right yeah. i we don't have time to judge that thank you for showing that with 16 seconds left in this music. <laughs> we are on time for hour number two coming up at hour number three a sports call five at five Preview of South Carolina football and also a best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you.
1: third and final hour of sports call starting right now tiger 95.9 the tiger.fm and the tiger communications app ryan Lavoy, brant Dontry, tom Peavy, with you here on this monday afternoon one more hour with you brant get out here a little bit early as he's got some ground school stuff to take care of this evening Uh, so we will get right to it here in this third hour we will start as always with the sports call five at five presented by southeastern land group john harden and brian watts are your local land advisors with southeastern land group land is always a sound financial investment but it's also investment in time with your family and friends and brian and john can help you find the perfect property for you if you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers your friends at southeastern land group can also help you with that too Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them at sclandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we're going to go over the top five non-conference games for Auburn men's basketball as their non-conference schedule was released on Friday. So the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by southeastern land group starts right now with number one number one is auburn and baylor that matchup will be november the 7th in sioux fall south dakota no place like south dakota for a opening basketball game of great importance uh we expect baylor to be ranked pretty highly in the top 25 when it comes to basketball auburn is going to be teetering they're kind of going to be I think they're gonna be a little higher than thirty seven, which is where the football team is in the A P poll, but I can't promise they're going to be ranked if they are probably in the low twenties somewhere in that. Yeah. Uh, but Auburn and Baylor will be a big one on the neutral floor to open up the season. Yeah,
2: playing at the Pentagon, the Sanford Pentagon. Yeah, not not the Pentagon in Washington D.C.
1: Not
3: D.C. Oh, they wouldn't let that them do that. Be, yeah. no. That would be so cool, though. It would be to have a basketball court on the Pentagon and just broadcast basketball games. From but there'd like, only be uh, one a year. That'd well, be so cool. I, I'll like you, an invitational tournament.
2: I, I learned about this arena last year because I, I guess there was a game or a tournament or something, and and I saw there was like the venue and it said it just said the Pentagon. I was like what I yes was like, what in the world i'm like they're playing it they're playing at the pentagon yes and then i looked it up <laughs> and i was like oh there's actually a arena in sioux Falls, south dakota called the pentagon i was like okay that makes cool. sense
1: so that's where auburn will play baylor to open up the basketball season number two november the 16th another far from home game this one in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. It'll be Auburn and Notre Dame. Of course, they will have another game the next day against either St. Bonaventure or Oklahoma State. But the Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be Auburn's first opponent there. That is November 16th. Number three is that SEC-ACC challenge that we've mentioned several times throughout the summer. Auburn plays Virginia Tech inside of Neville Arena. That one is on November 29th. Boo. Yep, just an unappealing been, matchup. Yeah. but um, Should have been
2: <laughs> Auburn versus Virginia.
1: Virginia Tech will be a bubble-caliber team. So, I mean, again, that could be important to put on a resume a little bit later. Number four is Auburn and Indiana. They were a tournament team last year, December the 9th, in Atlanta for Holiday Hoops Giving. Tigers have been going to Atlanta for a few years now. They've got the Indiana Hoosiers, a, uh, a big-time brand there. Yep. And uh, an exciting game uh, to – be kind of early in the month of december and to be again on a neutral four some i mean again these some of these very big matchups happening on a neutral four if auburn can win them i I don't know where auburn will end up but if we have those bubble conversations next year a win against indiana on a neutral or a win against baylor on neutral would would be huge and obviously if they really start to rack up all these wins they're going to be far better than bubble but still i mean the, the type of resume building games that you love to have pretty big games and one more here, number five is Auburn and USC. The return trip for the Trojans, December the seventeenth, in Neville Arena. Again, we'll see if Bronny James is medically cleared to play. That would be the kind of the headliner if uh, if he were to be available. Uh, but Auburn and USC should be a good one. That was a close one out in Southern California last year that went towards the Trojans, but uh, it would be very exciting to uh, to see Bronny James here. Once we get the NBA schedule, we can start speculation if his father might is, be around here. That,
2: that's that's the thing. I mean, so many people are wondering: Is it, is LeBron going to actually be here? But Bronny has got to get cleared first, because uh, you know, for anybody that is not familiar, what was it? A week ago, or not a two weeks? Two weeks ago, ago. Two, yes. weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago now. Two two weeks ago, Bronny James uh, collapsed, actually went into cardiac arrest, and uh, was revived, taken to a hospital, but. Don't know what the whole deal was with that. They haven't really said exactly what happened, other than. Uh, yeah, they kept it very private. They, and yeah, he had a home. cardiac arrest uh, type deal of some sort, but um, he, he's alive. and But he, I don't know if he's going to clear or not.
1: Yep, really don't know. But at this point, uh, Auburn, USC, is still looking like a pretty good matchup. So, again, the sports call, 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. The. Top five non-conference games for the Auburn Tigers in 2023 in basketball. Baylor, number one. Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Indiana, and USC, all pretty solid opponents for the Tigers in the non-conference. Before we go to this next timeout of the show, we'll keep it Auburn basketball-related for just one more moment. Obviously, the Tigers were trying to get a very big commitment this weekend from the big guy, Florey. Budunga who ends up going to Kansas we had had a very shortened show on Friday because of the Atlanta Falcons pregame uh, so we got off air at four o'clock when we were on the air in the three o'clock hour uh, it was not looking very good for Budunga to, to end up going to Auburn it was still uh, mainly Duke projections there were still a few whispers of uh, of Auburn but at that time when we actually aired the show not looking good however about an hour or two later all the predictions started to come in for Auburn. It was a tidal wave. I'm almost glad we were not on air because our tone would have greatly changed. Uh, Adam Rowe, who does the Devil's Den, he's a big-time recruiting guy for Duke. He said Auburn. Multiple Duke guys said Auburn to the point where it flipped from like 80% Duke to 80% Auburn. Well, 24 hours later, Under Armour showcase, which was very much travailed by weather. Uh, wet court, not good no. for basketball. Well, at halftime of that, Flory Budunga... Decided to go to Kansas, which again none of the experts really said there he was. I mean, Kansas was a finalist, but yeah. almost more akin to the Cam Coleman situation with football, where there were one or two players, but it was not who ended up getting them. And so Auburn does miss, unfortunately, on top five prospect Flori
2: Bedunga. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. It, it, that one just it stings. It, I mean, that it just really stings whenever you had so many of the prognosticators. Uh, picking that uh, crystal ball, flipping to Auburn. But, I mean, it was to the point, like, Duke fans were beside themselves all over message boards talking about how much Bruce Pearl is cheating and Auburn's cheating and taking the bag. And, of course, they're saying, you know, well, here at Duke, we don't do that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm That's sure, rich, and yeah. I use that word very purposefully. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, everybody – and then the other thing is, you know, Auburn has a commit that it was playing there in the Under Armour game, to Todd Pettiford. Who actually showed out in that game had some had some great plays. I think that kid's future here at Auburn is going to be awesome. There was pictures of the two of them of of uh, Floyd Badunga and Tahad Pettiford hanging out before the game and talking, and so everybody's like, "Oh, here we go." And everybody's putting pieces together. Oh, it's Auburn's an Under Armour school. He's at the Under Armour All Star game. He's going to announce at the Under Armour All Star game. Makes perfect sense. He would announce that he's going to an Under Armour school. He's hanging out with Tahad Pettiford and they're talking. All the Duke people are talking about Auburn's cheating, and it's it's like here, oh my gosh, this is gonna happen. Everybody was so excited auburn fans were just ready to go, ready to go, and then he committed to Kansas It's like I those jayhawks wow
3: yeah it it's why I don't really put too much stock in recruiting predictions at this point, like I've been following this long enough to go. I mean these people like they're right more often than not, but nobody's perfect and right. and just the kid's going to tell you where he's going to go at some point. And, it, look, the, thing, the other thing is, while I do expect Flory Badunga to end up at Kansas, he had not signed his name yet. He had not signed his, his letter of intent. So, like, yes, I do expect him to go there. I don't think Auburn's going to flip him because it just seems like – It seems like have, it. Yeah. Well, and again, but, but, also like, I don't know. Someone's going to play center for Auburn, and they're and, probably going to be pretty good.
1: And I talked about this on Friday, too, again, for, for those that don't follow basketball recruiting as much. It is far less – about the culture to flip in basketball. Yeah. Very few people do that. Yeah. It is a very big story in the recruiting world when it happens because unlike football where it feels like of the top 100 guys, maybe 30 or 40 end up flipping at some point in their commitment. And basketball, I mean, that, out of the top 100, maybe two or three. I mean, it is, not, it is not the culture to do that. So I said on Friday wherever he went – going to assume that he's that's done done deal so yes in fact he will not be signed for a while but that but basketball is not one of those things where you see and I love to be wrong I mean I love for somebody calling in December I remember when you said they weren't gonna flip him and he flipped Auburn great I hope so I hope so he's a great player yeah. and he's probably gonna be really good but that's not usually how basketball yeah. recruiting works
2: hey, my my big question is what changed and what changed like really seemingly overnight i you know i don't know i don't have all the all the information what i can tell you though is from working in that type of industry for for the little bit that i did when i worked with auburn undercover the these guys that were making these crystal ball predictions they have sources they're they're not just guessing they're they're, oh yeah yeah they're, they're not just pulling stuff out of their rear end and going oh you know what the tea leaves on the message board, somebody said something. It's like, no, these guys have some legit sources that direct them to- towards these crystal ball predictions. And so I something had to have changed because that many guys do not flip the crystal ball to Auburn unless somebody is telling them something. Right. There's a reason that they were doing that. And it was not, like I said, it was not because of message board chatter. It was not because they all kind of got in agreement that, hey, this is probably going to happen. They have sources that were telling them that this is what's going to happen and that's where the crystal ball went. Something changed. I don't know what that is, but I am absolutely convinced that he was ready to commit to Auburn and something changed in that little time span. I have to assume just because of kind of the way things go, there's probably some NIL stuff that goes on there. I'm not accusing Kansas of cheating or anything like that because it's it's NIL. These things happen. But something changed uh, for that. And the only thing I can think is maybe NIL popped up. I'm not a conspiracy theory to think that it's the Under Armour shoes, you know, the deal that Auburn has with Under Armour shoes and he decided he didn't want to play in Under Armour shoes. I don't yeah. think that's the case. I, I think there's probably some NIL something that happened there. Uh, self and whoever from Kansas probably called him up, gave him a little bit of a sweet deal. And, that and was look, I, I, I'm assuming. But I, I'm something sure changed Part of it for Auburn quickly. to
1: try to get over Duke was going to be probably NIL-related too. Sure. The other thing, though, that at least I could compute and can portray to everyone is that Cooper Flag is one of the top two or three players in the country in recruiting and he was a twenty twenty five guy. Right. He announced last week he was reclassified in two thousand twenty four. Right. And many believe he's going to go to Duke. Right. And so that's why Duke fell out of favor with Badunga is that, in my opinion, because Flag and Badunga would play similar, if not the same position and they would now be in the same class. Right. And so that's why it made some sense that he was not going to end up going to Duke because Flagg reclassified, and then all of a sudden it's 50-50, and, and Flagg would technically, even though we're talking about one or two positions, he would technically be the higher-rated player. Uh, bottom line, though, is it is disappointing with how quickly of 24 hours. I'd say it's a little more palatable. That it was not so. It was not Auburn, 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 Auburn. Then all of a sudden something else. It was Duke, 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 Auburn, Kansas. You know, like like it it was a one day of it, and not someone that you that Auburn had thought they'd had for weeks and months. Because again, even a few days prior to last week, I would said, "Oh, I I I remember that he's important and he's a big recruit." But really, Auburn doesn't have a great chance. And then it all of a sudden became Auburn has an excellent chance. They look like it and get him so that was a very weird uh and quickly changing process and it happens sometimes for the big fish uh ultimately auburn though not able to reel in uh for we're gonna take our first time out of the five o'clock hour and we come back a preview of south carolina football for 2023 you're listening to the monday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 <music> Bye. <laughs>
6: I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger
4: 95.9.
1: The sports call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Boy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here. Brant here for just one more quick segment as we preview South Carolina football for 2023. Can't really use 14 SEC schools and 13 shows any longer because we didn't get to do one on Friday. So we'll go back to 14 teams and 14 shows. Uh, makes sense that way, although I can assure you we did not spend one show on Vanderbilt. So South Carolina is up today we've been going order from bottom of the league towards the top south carolina picked third in the east eight and five last year but it was about the end to their season they drubbed tennessee without uh hooker of course tennessee still scored 38 points in that game uh tennessee's defense forgot that they still had to play the game though and south carolina scored 63 against the Vols last year top 5 victory and then a top 10 victory finally beating Clemson for the first time in sometime 31 to 30 again yeah, that was on Clemson's home field too so South Carolina finished the year strong they did have a close loss against Notre Dame uh, who again r- rose into the top 25 last year with the this into their season Notre Dame was able to beat South Carolina close one in the Gator Bowl South Carolina going to be interesting this year, fellas. Of course, Shane Beamer has been one of the chief marketers for uh, in terms of SEC programs. He has done a pretty good job marketing the program. Of course, starting to get some results from last year, gets another year of Spencer Rattler. What is the outlook for South Carolina this year?
3: It's weird to feel this confident about an SEC team that went 8-5 and five last year. But just, there's so much hype behind South Carolina right now, and a lot of it is that they do have Spencer Rattler coming back. They have the most important question answered. Uh, Their offensive line is made up of returners or guys that uh, are are transfers that expect to start. Um, I don't know. I think they'll be pretty good. Looking at the schedule, they've got North Carolina and Charlotte. That's going to be an interesting game. That'll tell you a lot about them. Uh, They're going to play at Georgia where I assume they'll get dribbled, but I, I don't know that. You know, they... South Carolina seems to just, yeah, you you like that dribble yeah, uh, dribble uh, <laughs> South Carolina seems to give Georgia a harder time than any other team. And, and this is before Shane Beamer got there. I don't I feel like Georgia just always lets South Carolina hang around a little bit, but I do expect them to lose that game. They play Tennessee again, uh, still no Hinden Hooker, no idea how that one's gonna go, even though I, I would assume that Tennessee will be vastly better than South Carolina. I would have assumed the same thing last year, and South Carolina won that game. This is a South Carolina team that's just got a lot of juice behind it, and that comes off of the way their season ended last year, uh, the fact that people just seem to love Shane Beamer. Uh, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I'm going to have to look at their schedules to get an official win, but get an official win-loss total. But I think another 8-5 and five is on the table, and for South Carolina, that's pretty dang good.
1: Tom, what do you think about the Gamecocks?
3: Uh...
2: It's it's kind of one of those they're they're another one of those that you just don't know. I mean, I do feel confident with with Rattler back there at quarterback and the success that they had, especially at the end of last season. Uh, but I mean that that schedule is just tough. I say that even though they just went at to at Clemson at the end of last year and won, but you know at Georgia at Tennessee at Texas A and M. I mean, that's three that are just really tough right there, and so it's it's one of those things with South Carolina that, I mean, it it feels they're pretty good with what they have right now. I don't know what their depth is like, but they almost feel like one of those teams that's like really set where they're at, but like one bad injury to somebody will just derail everything. That That's not necessarily to say that, you know, something different than a lot of other teams, but it seems particularly important for South Carolina because – uh, you know, they do recruit, you know, well, but they don't recruit at just a, a scorching hot level. Beamer's done good in the transfer portal. But I, I think that's one of those teams that's going to have to – they can be dangerous if they're able to stay healthy for the most part. It, but I think they could be derailed pretty quickly. Uh, but anytime you got a guy the caliber of Spencer Rattler under center for you, I mean, you're you're going to win some games just with a top-tier quarterback.
3: You know what's interesting? That, that I didn't know until I'm looking at it right now. Their entire month of November is going to be at home. They do not have an away game after October 28th. Yeah, four and four four, a four yeah. home games in a row to close out the season, including uh, that. That I think they should probably win three of those four. And you know, if Clemson hasn't gotten it figured out, they could go undefeated in the month of November. Uh, I I could very much see that for South Carolina. This is a it's an interesting end of the schedule to where if you can just kind of be above 500 coming into the last month of the season you could be looking at a really strong end here let me say this what you said very possible i hope not
1: (laughs) i hope they don't because what they're gonna do they're gonna go four and four to start the year and they're gonna win four in a row in their home field and all summer next year, eight we're gonna four, be like, baby. "Hey, look at that! They won four to row, beat Clemson. Look at this, this hot team. They're are they ready to take a next step? And then they're gonna do it again and go yeah. seven and five or yeah. eight and four. And I just don't want to do that. And I'm not saying we've been doing that for so long because this is just Beamer's third year, but you can kind of feel that coming, right? Where this, South this Carolina. Feels- is always that middle team that you're just waiting because of their marketing, because of how well Beamer is liked. That you're just wet, ready for them to take that step in the top four of the league, and they just never do because it's South Carolina and they're just okay. And so I hope they don't. I hope they don't reel off four in a row at the end of the season. But we're going to know how much teeth they have from that first half of the schedule, those first five games. That'll tell us if that second half is about being in the top of the SEC towards the top or if it's about just getting bowl eligibility and, and maintaining a certain level because the North Carolina game on a neutral at Georgia and at Tennessee that's a compelling start you and your uh, you got Mississippi State too who's not I mean yeah. it's not horrible I mean there that, that's the with that's the second easiest game in a five game stretch it's not a, it's not a very easy stretch put it that way um so if they get through that and somehow are four and one, then okay. That could be a 10 win team. Yeah. That could be a top fifteen team all of a sudden. Or worst case, they go two and three. They do lose to Carolina and they do lose to Georgia and they do lose to Tennessee and they barely squeak one out against Mississippi State. They're two and three. Then you start worrying about bowl games because then you say, Well, will they beat Florida? Are you sure? Because Florida might still have as much talent as them. Or are you sure they're gonna go beat A and M at A and M? Can they follow up another Clemson win? Oh, by the way, Kentucky's well-coached. I mean, you start to doubt all of these things that you think you know. And so, look, this North Carolina game will honestly tell me a lot, too, because I'll just tell you, as someone that loves North Carolina, South Carolina plays North Carolina great. I mean, South Carolina's beaten them multiple times. I remember, I think it was 2015, uh, the year that North Carolina first went to the conference championship uh, this last decade, Uh, and Marquise Williams was the quarterback, and they opened the year – I was in Jordan Hare Stadium. They just got the big board for 2015, and they let us go in Jordan Hare Stadium to watch that opener because it was it was like Thursday night from so North Carolina, South Carolina. And North Carolina lost that game. North Carolina ended up like ten and two that year. They they almost beat Clemson. They 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 recovered an onside kick in that conference title game that was falsely wiped off because they claimed it was offsides, even though on clearly on review it was not. And Carolina would have had the ball down one possession to try and tie the game for us time. So I'm just telling you, that North Carolina team, 2015, one of the best North Carolina teams I've seen. They still lost South Carolina. Uh, and South Carolina beat them pretty bad in a bowl game two years ago. So that means a lot to me, because North Carolina is in the preseason top 25. Uh, they are probably the third or fourth best team in the ACC behind that Clemson-Florida State duo. And so if South Carolina beat North Carolina to start of the year, I'm not saying it translates into something drastic like a Georgia win or something drastic even like an at-Tennessee win, but I think it goes, goes ahead and predisposes them. Yeah, they're going to be an eight-win team, maybe even nine-win team as best-case scenario. They do lose a lot of players. I mean, if you're looking at it, they lost a lot of defensive players in particular. they have their their wide receiver quarterback duo back. So, I mean, I think offensively they Archelon should be Wills. pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who was 900-yard receiver last Pre-season year. Preseason first-team yeah. All-SEC yeah. guy. Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, I remember voting for him, too. I was like, you know what? <laughs> All the other receivers are not back. Rattler's back. He's back. They're going to throw to him. <laughs> He's going to throw to him a lot. Uh, so, I, I we kind of – been around the, the ceiling-floor combo. But again, ultimately, if you had to choose, are, is it a more positive outlook for South Carolina this year? Do you buy? Are you sipping a little bit of the
3: Kool-Aid? Or do you think they're going to have a return to earth this year? Uh, I would say I am more inclined to believe they will go 8-4 and four or 9-3 and three than I am okay. they will just tank. I, I think yeah. they're going to end up being a competent football team. I don't think they're going to win the East. I don't think they're going to challenge Georgia or Tennessee. But I think they could – slot comfortably into that third in the east section. And then, you know, as long as they have that going, as long as they can keep answering the question of quarterback moving forward, which is a big question, uh, I think that that they could start sustaining that. I think that Shane Beamer is good enough to keep South Carolina at this level, assuming, again, he can keep getting good quarterbacks. Tom,
1: what about you? If you had to pick one more on the positive more on the negative side this year? Um,
2: I, I... I think that they're – if I had to say their chance – I think there is more of a chance of them tanking okay. than being, like, highly, highly competitive in the East. I think that's just the chance. Now, what do I think they're going to do? I, exactly what Brent said. They're going to be a competent football team. They're going to be a good football team. They're not going to be just earth-shatteringly great. They may sneak up and surprise somebody like they did last year uh you know and that's what really propelled them to the 8 wins is because they had some surprising a couple surprising oh, yeah. wins yeah and so i think they're a team that can sneak up on somebody one of the games that you know you look at here and it's like mm that was going to be tough and they win it but i i don't see them i i definitely don't see them as a 10 win team 9 is like you're really having to upset quite a few other people uh I just, I don't think they have the full stable of horses to do that right now. It's
3: that, just
1: interesting because they're one of the teams, middle of the SEC, that has not one, but again, two non conference games that you can't right. just put in the bag. Right. Most of these teams have three games you can put in the bag. They've got one tough game, they've got two tough games. They will not, I mean, We'll see when we get there. But if you were just handicapping it before the season, they would not be favored against Clemson. They yeah, they yeah, might no. be favored by a point on North Carolina. It's probably going to be about a pick them right. with North Carolina. But they would not be favored against Clemson coming into the year. Uh, and so that makes it interesting because if you go 0-2 in that pot, it's like, well, then you still got Georgia, Tennessee, A&M. I think the good news for them is that the teams picked 4th and 5th in their division, Florida and Kentucky, or Kentucky fourth and Florida fifth, those are both home games, so that can right. help South Carolina ward off that. That might help them be third in the East. Now they might end up with four or five losses because they're non-conference. But I think that that's the logic and why they'll finish third in the East is they get those home field advantages against Kentucky and against Florida when if you went on the road to those teams, you might view those games differently. So I think South Carolina will finish third in the East. That is where I picked them at meaty days. However, I think they're losing to at least one of those ACC teams. I'd lo- I'm, I feel like being pessimistic. I think they're going to beat North Carolina. Uh, but they very well could lose twice. And again, I think they're losing in Georgia. I think Tennessee's going to remember last year. I think Joe Milton's going to remember last oh, yeah. year. But yeah, it's certainly possible. Because South Carolina had lost to Florida by four touchdowns right before they <laughs> they beat Tennessee and Clemson. So it's entirely possible South Carolina does something stupid like lose at Missouri and then go to College Station and beat Texas A&M. Like, it's entirely possible that they do something like that. But... I think the probability is good that they win about eight games. I don't think they'll have a disastrous year. Right. But uh, but again, it, I also don't think it's in the cards. They'd have they'd be proven. Let me put it this way: they end up like nine ten wins. They'd be a proven commodity. They would oh, really yeah. get through that schedule with that uh, record. We're gonna take our next our final timeout in the show. Brant, thank you for being here this afternoon. Hope everything with grad school goes well. I know we'll be talking about it around the office. But uh, again, we'll see you on this show again next week. But again. Really hoping uh, for good stuff out of grad school and uh, really proud of you and and hope it goes great, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. That will do it for Brant on this Monday's show. Not quite for us, though. One more segment. We'll have best and worst of the weekend coming up. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan and Tom Peavy with you here for the final few minutes of the show. Just a nightly TV guide and best uh, west and worst of the weekend coming up here. Just previewed South Carolina football. We talked a lot of Auburn fall practice and their first scrimmage on Saturday. If you missed anything today, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or want to hear something again, Make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast and join ice cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola taste the feeling final few minutes of the show. Time for best and
0: worst. Now time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No, no, no of the weekend.
2: All right. Worst of the weekend, Tom, what do you got? Uh, my worst of the weekend was definitely, uh, Flori Badunga committing to Kansas and, a. It's not necessarily that just because he committed to Kansas, it was just because of all the excitement and everybody with all the crystal ball predictions and just uh, social media was ablaze with Auburn excitement and tension and just oh, it felt so good and then it just like the carpet just gets snatched out from under you and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it, it just it's a, a gut punch when you're an Auburn fan and you you dive into that excitement on social media, and you're just sitting there following it, ready to go and really ready to celebrate. And it was just like an absolute punch in the gut. Yeah, so definitely the worst there.
1: My worst of the weekend actually happened this morning. Uh, it's my least favorite basketball player that's ever existed, James Harden. Uh, he, It's not even the act that he had this morning. He called uh, Daryl Morey a flat-out liar. Uh, and said he would never play basketball for the 76ers again. I just want to remind people in the NBA, and in this particular instance of James Harden, you sign contracts that make you play the sport of basketball and you get a sum of money for. Okay? And if you were what you thought you were, James Harden, then someone would have bent over backwards to try to trade for you. The Philadelphia 76ers tried to trade you. There was nothing that made sense for them. And they can't blame them because they're also trying to keep a star in Joel Embiid. And if James Harden would look in the mirror one single time, and I know he's never looked in the mirror because I've seen his beard. If he'd ever look in the mirror one singular time, he would realize a Taylor Swift lyric applies to him. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem, it's me. I can't confirm or deny whether Daryl Morey lied or not. That's not the point. The point is James Harden thinks he's one of the best players in the league. He is not, not any longer, and other teams realize that. Otherwise, his market would be incredibly big and he'd be able to be traded or could sign a max contract. No one's going to sign a max contract for James Harden. What does it say if Daryl Morey, the former GM of the Rockets, now the 76ers, won't even sign you to a max contract? That's the one guy that always had your back, James, and even he does not want to give you a max contract anymore. So James, shave the beard, or don't. I don't care. That's not the (laughs) point. But look in the mirror and assess where you actually are in your career and that nobody thinks that you're actually worth that max contract, that you swear in a strip club, wherever you may be, that you are worth. All right, so that's James Harden. That's my worst. Best of the weekend. That's why we always want to end on a positive note. Best of the weekend.
2: Uh, my, my best of the weekend was the, the Braves series over the Mets. And yeah, they did lose that uh, finale last night, 7-6, to six, and it was kind of disappointing to see that, but the games before that, the Braves just absolutely blistered the New York Mets. Yeah. Uh, and it's also because it's the Mets. And sure. It there is there has really kind of become a rivalry there between those two teams, you know, obviously everybody knows what the Braves did to them ripping the Mets' heart out last year. Uh, you know the Mets are just kind of one of those teams that you, you kind of as a Braves fan, you just don't like them and as Mets fans, they really don't like Atlanta either. I mean, it's kind of become a, a rivalry there. So uh you go into their home stadium and just absolutely torch them for the games that you did, it just feels good. And then, of course, anybody who uh, follows like Barstool Sports, or whatever, Frank the Tank, that's the the big Mets fan, I love watching his meltdowns, and especially <laughs> when it's the Braves that are the cause of his meltdowns. It's, it's so great. So yeah. anytime the Braves can take a series over the Mets and cause Frank the Tank to have an epic meltdown, I'm all for it.
1: And I almost had the sweep, had that big first inning, but just had that blow up in the middle innings, couldn't quite get back in it, but yep. still – Braves needed to rank the ship a little bit and yeah. three out of four of the Metropolitans came calling. My best of the Weekend got a little audio for it. It's also kind of out of the basketball world. Dwayne Wade had his Hall of Fame speech this past weekend and he had his father there and uh, this just got me thinking about the father-son relationship and just uh, how cool of a moment this is. So take a listen to Dwayne Wade at the Hall of Fame uh, his acceptance speech this weekend. Pops, would you please stand?
6: I started this off thanking you, and I want to end it the same way. I owe you a debt of gratitude that I'll never be able to repay. When I would cry and say, I can't, you made me go harder. You pushed me to limits that I didn't know were inside of me. The hard work I put in was because I didn't want to let you down. Those countless hours in the backyard, we would compete against each other like strangers. It built me to last. Those days that turned into late nights of me working on my left hand so it was just as good as my right, it made me an unstoppable force. That time you got kicked out of the game as my coach and snuck back in the side door and coached me from the stands (laughs) just to get kicked out again, it showed me that there was no limitations how you would show up for me. It's the exact same way I try to show up for my kids. So even though I hated being called Little Dwayne, I admired you as a kid. I admire you now. We had the same exact dream, and we carry the same exact name, Dwayne Tyrone Wade. To know we hustled all the way to the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's God's will. So Pops, I know your knees are a little sore, (laughs) but will you join me on stage as we take our rightful step into basketball heaven? (laughs) This one right here. This one is for my father. I love you, and I'm thankful for you. I love you too, man. We're in the Hall of Fame, dog.
1: So that was Dwayne Wade uh, speaking about his father at the Hall of Fame this weekend, a dream that his father and he shared. Uh, just really cool story uh there and just about um the father-son relationship and right. i was also I was also home this past weekend got to see my father and of course how much my parents mean to me and then also i was able to see a friend who just recently had a newborn got to hold his just one month old child and again i just thinking about the the father-son relationships there that are so important and uh really thought dwayne wade uh, speech there meant a lot. So uh, really excited or really uh, cool to hear all that. We are out of time for the show today. Uh, also uh, not time enough to do a full nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. But the Atlanta Braves do open up a series against the New York Yankees, 620 on Bally Sports South, and a couple great movie picks like Twister, 7 o'clock on AMC, and Castaway, 650 on Freeform. That will do it for the show today. Tom, thank you for being here, sir, and I uh, hope you have a great evening. We'll see you again tomorrow. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. And, uh, of course, we thank Brant who who is also on the show for the majority of the show today. And, uh, of course, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.